Oh. Consistency. Remember key your arm, everything. Marcus. Huh? Just remember your arm. This one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> you all went to school with Nudge. Oh, did you? Yeah. Edmund, Edmund Rush. Edmund Rush, Pinker. yeah. Get your hair cut by him? Uh, now and then. Yeah. Used to. Okay. Was he a hairdresser? Oh, a barber. Oh, barber. Yeah. Kind yeah. of shop, shop with Fig Tree below. God knows how many. 20 something years. Yeah. Cut, yeah. It yeah. Cut It Out was the name of the shop. Cut It Out. Cut yeah. It Out. <laughs> That's not bad. <laughs> I like a good pun. <clears throat> the Thai ones are the best Thai restaurants. Titanic. Yeah, I used to do a bit of boxing with under Brett with Max Lemmy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we used to punch yeah, each other in the head for a couple of years. Trying to nudge now. Yeah, he's cool. loving it. He seems like a cool guy. I haven't spent much time with Max, but. He seems alright. Yeah, he's uh. He fought. He fought. Fought recently. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, the thing I liked about Max is um, you didn't have to worry about him looking after you because he wasn't. <laughs> uh, so you walked out with your on. head still yeah. on. You you earned it. Yeah. He didn't like you know baby you and kind yeah. of you know. Yeah, I'll yeah. Take it easy on you. Make you feel good about <clears throat> yourself. Yeah, I mean sometimes like there's not nothing wrong with that, but. Max there, he's there to play, he's there to throw. <laughs> so when you, you kind of walk out and you go, okay, survive that one, nice. Yeah. <laughs> How long have you boxed for? Um, I haven't really done like proper boxing. Yeah, yeah. I did Kyushin Karate for 20 years. Yeah. Then did boxing and Thai boxing with Brett and like at the same, same similar time. And then did judo with Katajar for oh, yeah. another five years. And yeah. So. You know, Shane okay, Jones? Yeah. Shane Jones. He trained with Cutter for a while. He had a few MMA fights. So some of the MMA guys, because they used to train. So we did judo, and yeah. then Mick would get me to come and spar with some of the, the judo guys because of the karate background. Yeah. Because Mick was a little bit intimidating to uh, <laughs> the guys that he trained, so he used to call me in and get me involved in that. And that was, and I run a couple of classes now and then, cause, but the, the grappling and all that was well and truly his. Yeah. Yeah. His field, okay, and he he would he would look after you on the ground and, and teach you stuff. Yeah, and it was I've never met an instructor that put his body on the line as much as he does. Yeah, right. And that's when I kind of went, okay, yeah, this is the place I'm happy to train. Yeah, cool. Where was that? What center was that? Pardon? What gym was that? Um, he was in Montague Street. A couple of spots in Montague Street. Yeah. Is he still coach now? Yeah, he's down at um, Port. Kimbler Church, something like that down okay. there. So I haven't been down there since he's been there, but yeah. Cool. There was one where the gorilla pit is, oh, my old karate club sure is, is and now, oh, yeah. and judo was at the front. Okay. And there was a gym, switch field, and across the other side, like, you know, that kind of, it's a hundred metres down from where Max's gym is. Okay. Heading towards Ferry Matter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then he's moved. So that's kind of. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> nah, definitely. Well, I'm just like I feel a little drowsy. But I'm gonna have my navy. I'll get another coffee. Thanks, man. No worries. What's a UV light? Get that in here. What's that wake you up? Yeah, man. Well, those cells suck it up. You got any? Have you got any? UV light. <laughs> I'll, I'll <get> you something. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to the podcast. You're there. We're here. We're kind of we're 
We've been going a bit professional lately, I think. Yeah, so I, I, think I thought this way we got to loose it up. So we're just going to ramble. Okay. You know, we've got a lot to talk about. We like the headphones. Talk some shit. We've had issues in the past with... Um, out of all the video and stuff, it's actually the audio that's the issue. Okay. With, with, um, with podcasting, I think, eh? Hey? You audio. find that? Mm. The find audio was the audio. hardest thing to get right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That was the thing that cut out. Oh, the camera cut out a few times. Do you want me to put that up, Marky? No, man, I'm going to keep it down, don't worry. I'm getting it all. (laughs) I'm getting it out of the system now. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll move over a little bit. Two hours of fucking Mark's arm. (laughs) What more would you want? Some mumbling in the background. Mark's arm. Perfect. Gary Griffin on. I don't know what he looks like. Well, I'll make any back next week. (laughs) Run that one again. Just put a photo up. Gary, did you want a beer? Nah, I'm right, thanks. We've got water and sparkling. Thanks. Um, that's it. Let me just make sure. So you'll get the idea of it. Anyway, so where are we? Yep, that's yep. That's a sweet spot. A couple inches away, kind of. Cool. You can hear yourself from too far away. It's <coughs> good. It'll be recorded. Episode 30, is it? 30. Oh, oh my yeah, goodness. Griffin. Gary Griffiths or Griffin? Griffin. Griffin. Just think of Dumble. Griffin. What? A Gryffindor. Yeah, that's how I remember it. Sorry, I don't mean to be rude or anything, but I'm shit out with names, but yours I remembered. There's a link, a neural link. That's what you got to do. Between Gary and Harry Potter. Yeah, Gryffindor. Yeah, it was. It's, um, it's It's how you remember things. I've noticed when you watch people on talk shows and all that and they're going to the crowd and they're chatting away to people and I'm like how do they remember these people's names you know oh Mary they'll notice they'll say uh, what's your name Mary hello Mary Mary is this your husband now Mary they'll say Mary three yeah. or four times that's a gym quick tip is it we heard it you know that guy yeah no I don't guy. oh he can like I'm pretty sure he could give him a hundred names or something he can just remember him like that yeah he's a brain trainer and that's what he said something like that yeah, it's all these neural, these pathways to the one bit of information mm. that's there. I struggle with that stuff, I'll be honest. Yeah. I had to think then, I'd just introduce, but I think that's from being a bit punchy, to be fair. Yeah, well, that's why we've got <laughs> Gary on here, we're going to sort that punchy stuff out. Um, Gary, welcome to the show. Thank you. Show- Episode 30. Episode 30. We've got to clap it in. Oh, man. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks for coming along. That's great. Gary, I know you because a couple of years ago I was feeling unwell and um, I had a few issues and I heard some geezer on the radio and I thought it was you. My wife and I were just discussing this and um, he was talking all this stuff about gut health and mental health and, and inflammation in the body all around and I was hunting down this, um, this naturopath and I knew nothing about naturopaths and it turns out I found you. It wasn't you on the radio that time, I don't think, no. but it was someone talking. I, I thought it was. I went and saw you and... Um, and I'm glad I did because things it was a different experience for anyone that's gone to a GP and most people have uh, going to a naturopath. I suppose should we maybe start? What is a naturopath? How, uh, so technically, a naturopath is someone that looks at gut health, looks at health, and works with the way the body heals, and it's using the traditional methods. And sometimes modern medicine refers to them as traditional. And I go, well, we've been around for. 100,000 years, so we've mm. learnt to use the plants that are on the face of the earth that we can use as medicine, because we use, apparently we use some of the plants as food, 
and yeah. we use some of the plants for building material. And some of the plants we can use as, use as medicine. And some people go, oh, no, nah, no, nah, that's, that's crap. And you kind of go, but uh, what? Go yeah. to any primitive tribe and they've got a list of plants in the area that they use for different medicinal purposes. So working with the body, learning out what plants do what and what minerals and what vitamins and what your body needs. So if you can give it what it needs and keep it healthier, then it functions better. And the end of that is is we refer to as health. So you want to be healthy. And I've copped a bit of slack from you know, just mates and stuff like that, like, oh, are you into that health stuff? I go, yeah, it's weird. I don't know why. Because, <laughs> um, you know, I sleep better and I have more energy and I wake up feeling good and my brain works better and I remember stuff easier and I ache less and, and I can train more often and I can achieve things. Yeah, gee, why is anyone interested in this stuff? Like, like really, yeah. the, the healthier you are, the better you, your system works and the better a machine you can be if you want to apply that in the physical realms. And you talk to some really big... Um, Personal trainers or like um, Charles Poliquin was huge as a strength trainer. His knowledge on nutrition and training and eating was just unbelievable, a walking encyclopedia of information. So it's really interesting to see people from the, the field of exercise and actually bring that in. But the naturopathic field is still looking at how you work with the, the human body to heal. And instead of using a drug to change symptoms or... Um, mm inhibit certain functions we're actually trying to get the body back to a natural balance yeah so you need less drugs in for your life and then they tend to work if you need a drug it'll work better later yeah yeah because well basically all, all drugs are derived from plants anyway well you know some are some aren't so, so most of the chemotherapy comes from um is it clothes dyes that are oh. some of the most toxic substances on the face of the earth. Jesus. Yeah. And that's how they actually researched um, chemotherapy for leukaemia in kids. And if you've got a kid, then that's what they've used to technically poison the cancer and hopefully your kid survives. And that was really what they were doing. Wow. Yeah. Well, then there was surgery. So the, the history of cancer is not, it's not really great reading. There's no technical kind of research around surgery because there's no double-blind placebo crossover intervention studies that you can do for surgery. Yeah. Mm. We operated on five people, didn't operate on these. It's not the way it works. So yeah. there was trial and error there. So yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting field, and, and the more science is coming behind it, a lot of doctors assume there's no science behind what we do, but I sit there and see paper after paper after paper of what they're looking at and what works and the research around it. So the fact they don't read it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, I suppose what the pharmaceutical companies do, that let's say that they find a plant, you, a naturopath might come along and say spinach does this for you or something, and they'll break it all down, take the chemicals out of it and say this is the one component that actually does something. What do you think about that? Is, are they missing out on a synergy there that the actual whole plant does something that maybe the active constituent, you know, uh, are they throwing out the baby with the bathwater? Yeah, there's, there's opinions that vary around that. So they, they look at the active ingredient. Um, if they can make a movie about, um, was it Sean Connery going through the Peruvian forest trying to find a cure for cancer, obviously it's got to be legit that some plants out there are going to do that. But extracting some active ingredient does tend to have an effect, but... From our attitude, the whole plant works 
And so trying to isolate things down to the nth degree mm. is not necessarily the best way to actually go about yeah. things. And then concentrate in that, and then it produces side effects, whereas the natural kind of herb typically doesn't. Yeah. So then side effects, they kind of, well, yeah, that's it. That's the way it goes. And But then we've got other drugs that you can take for that. Yeah. And the list grows. Yeah, it becomes a snowball effect of medication. Well, it's, um, I've, I've read this, I've got a friend who's, um, he's a, he's an interesting cat, Colin. We'll have to get him on once anyway. And, um, he lent me this book, which is really, it's an interesting book. It's, it's called The Devil Under the Microscope. And it's the, um, history of where the first antibiotic came from. And they never thought they'd make an antibiotic. And, um, it was actually one of the huge farm, some pharmaceutical company just did a million tests and found this weird substance that stopped these mice from dying. But it was, it was kind of that, it goes into the history. So that wasn't, wasn't a bad thing. The first time antibiotics were used was in Pearl Harbor. Okay. And they saved a lot of people's lives with this, this wonder drug. And now they give it to cows to get them fat. And it's just fucking everywhere, you know. So what should be a nuclear bomb to use it as a last resource kind of becomes... Prescribed for a cold. Yeah, well, <laughs> even worse than that, prescribed to animals to make them fat, you know, and then we eat the animals and stuff. So it's uh, what he was... And he was going on about the history, say, in the United States of medicine and just what an absolute schmozzle it was. The United States was just snake oil salesmen and all that, actually literally selling snake oil to yeah. people and stuff and going from town to town. And it seems to be... And that kind of morphed and into the pharmaceutical companies, as we know them. It still was a, a money-driven enterprise, which to me seems a... a Seems a bit, uh, you know, it's good to make money, but surely it should be more important to heal people first. And if you can cure someone, you'd want to cure them. You know, in a normal way, a doctor should want to cure someone, mm. but a pharmaceutical company, you think, it's not in their best interest to cure someone. Mm, they want to sell product. Yeah, <laughs> they want to sell product. And, you know, the topical thing is, is um, should we even go there? <laughs> well... We probably should. Topical thing is Pfizer now saying that you're going to need a jab for this bloody thing every year of your life for the rest of your life. Now that is uh, just it's really funny that that coincides with the way marketing is going. Apple, you can't buy a computer now or something because it's out of date in two years. Mm. You have to continually it's, it's this the new form of capitalism isn't you buy a product which is the actual capitalism is basically buy a product, it's a good product, tell your mates and they buy the product and everyone's happy, you know. Mm. Whereas this is you buy a subscription forever, you know, and that's what seems to be the pharmaceutical companies yeah. are going for now. They're, they're not in the business of curing people. So, um, The pharmaceutical industry is designed obviously with some idea of we want to actually provide healthy solutions. But then the pharmaceutical industry sponsored the universities, so then the university is told, I want a return on the investment, teach the doctors how to use my tools better. Mm. Yeah. And they seem to be the only tools that they get taught to use predominantly. Yeah. They do eight hours of clinical nutrition training. So apparently nothing that you eat actually affects your health. That's great. But it's yeah. like, hang on, what have we been doing since the dawn of time that has actually enabled us to still be on the planet? Yeah. And it's eating food. And yeah. we've, we know if we eat the wrong food, it has all these different consequences and they're not good. 
oh, we can offset that with drugs, so we're not going to talk about the food because we can get to sell more things. Yeah. I think as soon as you start taking the money, monetary value of the process over what you're actually doing, that's where it tends to fall apart. And that's yeah. where I kind of go, there are certainly lots of benefits to pharmaceuticals, but the the system that it's yeah, applied with, I is think that's what I was getting at. Necessarily, yeah, it's a lot in of blurred interest. lines. Yeah, yeah. Well, what, yeah, um, incentives. Yeah. People always follow systems. Always follow incentives. Yeah. What's the incentive? Now, if you're a, a shareholder backed pharmaceutical company, your incentive, your number one incentive, is not to the patient. It's not to the doctors. It's to the shareholders. Yeah. And your incentive to them is to make them money. You know, and it's not a conspiracy or anything. That is the way a capitalist yeah. system works. That's what and. You know, and that's why maybe, like, and the government puts a, the government's actually the one that puts the most money into research and development for medicines through the universities. Like, who came up with these vaccines? It's the universities, and then it gets get handed over to companies to, um, to spread around. Now, I was thinking, why wouldn't, and that's one thing, I, I did a bit of research about naturopathy, and um, there's, like you're saying, there's no, like, they don't really do, double-blind studies and stuff. But the thing is, these studies cost so much money and, and there's not enough money in herbs and that for pharmaceutical companies to do it. So there's no incentive for them to actually test, you know. Um, sure, you'd be happy to have your, you know, um, your methods tested. You know, they work for me and they work for a, a lot of people I know. So, but there's no money, there's no incentive. So maybe there's something, a role for government to actually start doing some research into this and doing tests. Well, you, you can't patent a nutrient you can't yeah. patent a herb you can't you can patent a process but that's that's still yeah, kind of argumentative around they've been doing this for five thousand years yeah. yeah i some people like obviously and i'm happy for people to question what i do um and i have no issue with that i see that it works um nothing works all the time but working with the human body is going to pay off at some point in time as in preference to working against it and thinking yeah. that the body's not smart enough to know what it's trying to do and yeah. will shut that down. And you kind of go, but that's going to blow up in your face at some point in time. But I do talk about the two biggest growing nations on the face of the earth. So who has the most numbers? China and India. India. Yeah. Who has the two longest standing traditional medicines? Mm. Yeah. China and India. Yeah. So Ayurveda's been around 40,000 years. Traditional Chinese medicine about 5,000. Who actually has all of the wealth and the exposure to pharmaceuticals? Actually, America. Yeah. Who has some of the sickest individuals <laughs> per capita? America. America. So yeah. who's relying on their traditional medicine more so than pharmaceuticals? Well, India and China, because there's a lot of poverty there. Mm. So yeah. then you kind of go, so just as a general comment, does traditional medicine pan out? We're talking about they're reproducing faster than the Americans. Yeah. They're living longer than the Americans. And they're relying on traditional medicine to achieve that. Mm. Americans are getting sicker and they're relying yeah. on pharmaceuticals. So as a generalised sort of observation, you're kind of going, well, if you look at the stats. Yeah, absolutely. I, I noticed there's, um, oh, I can't remember her name, there's a great Indian academic and she's been talking about uh, the food resources. And there's some grains that have been cultivated in India, genetic, genetically modified over 5,000 years, for like 5,000 years, these grains. And, and some lovely American billionaires come along <laughs> We won't mention his name, Mr. Gates. Oh, Gates, yeah. yeah. And he's now put a patent on these yeah. on these grains that the Indian farmers have had for thousands of years. And now he owns this. And he's trying to stop these people who have been living this way for 30,000, 40,000 years 
because he owns the grain and he wants them now to go monoculture, like one cult, you know, you, you can sell this type of grain for the wheat bix or whatever. Like, that's, that's what he's trying to do. It's a really strange, strange thing. Um, I suppose he always was a monopolist and he's, he thinks that's the way to go. But I think if you look at nature, she's about diversity, isn't she? You know? Well, same with the soil. Like, you're meant to grow different things in. Yeah. If you're going to grow something in the soil, you need you can't be the same thing every time. Yeah, the same plant will actually pull the same nutrients out. Yeah. So if you grow the same plant in the same section of soil, you're depleting that section of soil of those specific nutrients that that plant yeah. requires. If they rotate them around, uh, then you actually get in different, you know, nutrients within yeah, the soil. Yeah, yeah, crop so rotation. It's just we got taught that at on. school. Like I grew up in New Zealand. A far, you know, yeah. and we're just a big farm, basically. And it's even it's a classic point what's changed over there. Um, Who's that? That's not, is that not me? Long. Oh, my gosh, It can't man. be me. It's not know. me, mate. I'll give you that. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Mine's way off. <laughs> oh. Evidence. Yeah, that's so weird. Yeah. Um, any, yeah, we were taught, you know, I didn't go to rural school, but yep. because it's a big country, you know, a big yep. farm, they all taught us about crop rotation. We used to go visit some farms and that. And also I went to school late 80s, early 90s, and now I don't think they teach that because New Zealand's turned into one huge herd, one huge cattle farm, and like New Zealand's rivers are some of the most polluted in the world, really? even considering India. Clean green New Zealand is a load of bullshit. So they've got, all they do is grow one type of grass for the cows to eat, yeah. and that needs shitloads of phosphate, and they just pour it on there like it's raining, and it goes straight into the rivers, and they get algae blooms. You can't swim in the rivers in New Zealand, most of them. The ones I grew up swimming in, and it's all for this one company, Fonterra, to make money. Wow. And so it's a big political football now, you know, so... Mm. Um, yeah, and that's a monoculture. Well, it used to be sheep. New Zealand was a sheep thing, and sheep yeah. are a lot less dangerous. They don't need that. They can eat different types of grass and things like that. You know, okay. they're, not, they're not so um, full on as a as a cow. And this intensive cattle farming is ruining the country, really. Yeah. yeah so um, it's that monoculture idea which comes to a. Uh, it's yeah, it's a it's not really a capitalist thing. I, I think you know because capitalism and its idea well is a perfect capitalist system. Is the farmers market. You know, everyone's got their little stalls, and I've got better bread than you, and I'll sell more bread. You know, that's the it's idea a of it. Dictatorship, because yeah, it's like, this is what you'll this eat, is, this is what you consume. Absolutely, this is the way we do it. It's actually feudalism. We're the lords, and we're telling you what to grow. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and you will grow it. Yeah. So yeah, neo feudalism. So we're switching sides, but Gary's on the side of good here. Well, it's funny when you talk about that. I actually think about. It's exactly the same. So the, the ecosystem of the planet is very similar to the ecosystem within our gut. Yeah, yeah. You can't sort of do mono versions of anything. So traditional um, cultures have all this diversity of bugs in their gut, and that's how they actually can fight off better quality diseases. And then they look at some modern people eating a modern processed diet, and their diversity has disappeared. So it leaves these gaps for... You know, infections that are never meant to actually gain any momentum that yeah. actually start to get in there. Yeah. And then you've got to use all these heavy, heavy drugs, so whether pharmaceuticals, um, so the antibiotics and even prednisone and things like that, to control the result of that. And it throws it further out of whack. And then we then don't eat, you know, proper food and, and it's processed. Yeah. And it's getting more singular, just like what we're doing in the in the ecosystem and it's bizarre how you kind of see this yeah. relationship around that 
And we can see it happening in the ecosystem. We can kind of hear it happening in the gut. And we look at all these chronic inflammatory processes and autoimmune diseases that yeah, are happening yeah. now. And autoimmunity was originally observed as the immune system has lost the plot and it's too aggressive. Now they're finding that it's actually the immune system got tired. Oh, really? Yeah. Really run down. Yes. And, then, and then started to then not be able to perform the, the job it was supposed to. So we were taught don't do any immune boosting herbs with autoimmune because it's counterintuitive. Now they're actually going, you need to support that. Yeah. Okay. But see, it still started in the gut because that's... I mean, Hippocrates talked about all diseases began in the, begin in the gut and that was 400 BC he said that. Wow. So 400 BC to almost 2,500 years ago, yeah. someone was switched on and then every doctor takes a Hippocratic Oath. Yep. And we're not talking about gut health. As a, as a core it's starting to anything. it's starting to happen now though, it's isn't it? It's starting to shift yeah. because the, the 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 knowledge and the information is just overwhelming, yeah. Yeah. and it's nice that what I've been hanging on to and sort of standing my ground on, it's like gut first, and then we talk about other stuff, has now finally starting to pan out. Yeah, gaining momentum. People are becoming aware too because the information's out there a bit more too now. I think you even see it with like the whole um <clears throat> like. There's the research done on like marijuana, for example, as a whole plant. Yeah. Like um, the, the benefits, whereas before there was no research done on any of that stuff. No. Um, everyone knows about the, the, well, the supposed effects on like inflammation and the different things. You'd know more than more CBD than us, oil sure. and CBD, everything's yeah, like that. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Evidently, hemp seed is the most easily absorbed version of vitamin C you can have or something. for the, like, It's like the human gut is is meant for hemp seed. Have you heard that? No. Yeah, like Indian um, ladies like to get hemp seed, smash it, make a beautiful patty out of it, there's cumin in there, and it's one of the healthiest things you can eat. It just goes straight in there. Your gut loves it, man. But again, that comes back to, I guess you can't patent plants. So, well, yeah, so there's no big money to be made yeah, of, out mm. of that. And like any patent is obviously worth technically billions of dollars. Yeah. People disappear over tens of thousands to a hundred thousand dollars or eleven billions yeah but it's interesting one of the points that i used to always sit back and think when people ask you for money to sponsor um, research into cancer or heart disease or things like that yeah so we raise the money uh, to pay for research to find some pathway that then a pharmaceutical steps in creates a drug for that yeah and then they earn billions of dollars from that yeah so we raise the money so the pharmaceutical industry can earn Profit billions of dollars. It, yeah. And yeah. then we have to pay that, buy that back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's crazy. It I'm is kind of... Where did that... How did that... Yeah, yeah. it's very it's strange, just, isn't it? We know, I don't know. We're not very open-eyed to this stuff, are we? It just yeah. kind of happens in front of us and we go, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, where's That's the... That's the way it is. What's what, Adam, over there, that guy over there, you guys can't see him. <laughs> <laughs> He's now moved off. He's the Jamie without the internet, so it doesn't quite work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he has to do... What is some that sign language or some shit to us? <laughs> Do some interpretive dance about um, Monsanto. That's another thing, getting back to food. Um, it's only really, unless you live on a farm or have an amazing garden, it's only people that are well off that can afford organic food. And if you're not eating organic food, you're basically, I need to do more research and I actually need to go to some farms. But the mm. research I've seen is when they use um, Roundup, they're not just using it to kill plants. They actually two weeks, oh, this is what Eggy said. Remember he was on here saying two weeks before the blueberries get picked, they sprayed a whole fucking crop of Roundup because it makes them bigger. 
and they, and they go boom. So to get a couple of big years of crops. Now what happens with Roundup is that the reason it kills the weeds in it is because it stops these pathways where the, um, the plants make these hormones and, and the, the blueberries that are Roundup resistant don't have those pathways for the hormones. So they don't have those hormones. Turns out we kind of need those fucking hormones. Yeah. So if we're eating plants that are being sprayed of this poison, it does affect us. Would you agree with that? Or? The other thing with Roundup is it also encourages fungal species to be more aggressive and grow more resilient yeah and in my practice i see a lot of fungal issues so sometimes we call it candida but um in the way i see it it's more fungal stuff but fungal bugs produce some pretty heavy toxins that give our liver a hard time yeah that then messes with hormonal stuff fungal things can make your exhausted tired affect your thyroid and we're spraying our environment and breeding this to come back on us at some point in time. Yeah. And if you talk about hormonal imbalances and fatigue and thyroid issues, it's absolutely huge. And then to actually make that worse, take an antibiotic. Yep. Because the antibiotic attacks the cell wall of the bacteria and a bacteria can't live without its cell wall. So that's how they we kill them. Yep. The problem with fungal forms... The antibiotic identifies its cell wall, goes after that, and the fungal form can actually take its cell wall off and chuck it away. It's like sort of identifying someone by the jacket that they're wearing. Yeah. Yeah, cool, take my jacket off. Can't find me now. But cell wall deficient organisms can actually punch holes in your gut lining and get into your bloodstream. Ah. So that's why you upgrade most fungal things with antibiotics. And most women know there's a very heavy link between antibiotic use and thrush. Yeah, 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 there is. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they've already kind of seen that to a certain degree. But in, in my practice, you just see all these fungal things. And then you also see some parasitic things that support fungal things. So there's actually these networks of these bugs being opportunistic. I don't think they're necessarily vindictive, but they're doing their life cycle. They've been around longer than us. Yep. They've learned to survive. Mm. So they find ways to kind of hang out and also support each other's lifestyle. And we're the ones that actually pay the price in, as our health. Yeah, And... One of the ways I describe it to clients is if you bought two litres of milk and you stuck it in the fridge, how long would it last? A week, week and a half? Yeah, yeah. If you took that milk out of the fridge, stuck it on the bench in the sun on a hot summer's day, how long would it last? Literally a couple of hours. Yeah, yeah. But it's the same milk, right? So how does it suddenly go from it'll last a week and a half to a couple of hours? It's the environment in which we either encourage bacterial growth by the heat or we inhibit bacterial growth by keeping it in the fridge. My goal with clients and talking to people is don't be that version on the, sh- on the shelf. Yeah. Don't be sitting there encouraging bacterial growth or cancer growth or anything like that. Yeah. Design your lifestyle so that you are inhibiting things. They're always there. There's always cancer cells in us and yeah. we, we have all these checklists and we kill it off. How do so many of us end up with cancer? Well, we fail those checklists on a regular basis. Yeah. So try and design that system which is always balancing and checking to actually support you so you don't encourage these bugs to grow, these parasites, these abnormal cells. Mm. So down the track, then you've got less disease. So your lifespan and your health span end up being very similar timelines. That's what you want. Yeah, because yeah. you want your health span, to, if it's going to stop, as in you start dying, you really want that to be down to a couple of days or a week or maybe a couple of hours Before if you can make end, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You I know to... some people, they start dying in their mid-30s yeah. Yeah. and they take 35 years to die. Yeah. 
not pretty. That mm. kind of sucks to. It, yeah, it sucks. Eh? You want to be like Lemmy from Motorhead, man. He did speed for what? He died at <laughs> seventy. Like, and he is. I don't know. He's joined the band at fourteen. He was Jimi Hendrix. Um, Roadie got yeah. his LSD and all that for him. He took you know, speed for, <laughs> I think, 60 years, the heaviest heavy metal band ever, loudest band in the world. And then he, he died of some cancer when he was 70. And it, I think the cancer got him in like two days or something. It was like bang. You know, wow. that's, I know it's horrible, but yeah, he, like, he had a die. fucking good life. <laughs> and if you're going to go, if we're going to talk about death, which is, you know, is a subject that no one ever talks about, and I suppose death is part of the life cycle. I've been doing a bit of research into death mm. lately. My stepfather, who um, people on the show might know, um, he's he's going through that process now, and I didn't realise if if you let it go, take its natural course, death, it is actually a process, and there's certain things that happen. Like he's in a hospice at the moment, and I'll tell you anyway. And mum, mum calls me up and, you know, and um, she said, oh, well, Paul's been doing, he's been seeing things and stuff. And it's weird because I just watched this documentary on a guy that had done a whole research book on hospices. And he hadn't gone and spoken to doctors and that. He actually gone and spoken to nurses, people that were dealing with people that were dying. And, he, and he's written this whole thing on this process of dying and what happens. And they, like, they start having visions of family or dogs or, or People come to visit them. They get happy. Like it's 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 a whole like your body knows how to die, and um and that's happening to my stepdad. Man, he's meeting like mum turns up there, and um and he says, oh my mate, I think Vincent or something like that from when he was eighteen. He was here and he said everything's great. He died in a car crash when we were eighteen yeah. and stuff like that. And it, and she's telling me these stories, and I'd literally just watched this documentary on on this process. It's really. It's fucking freaky, man. There was a guy on um, Rogan, Willie. Did, did you listen to that one? So he, um, where I can't remember who it was, but he he, he was dying. Yeah, and um, he had um, someone. Sebastian Younger. He wrote books. Yeah, he wrote. He's writing books on it. Oh, he's writing books called what is it? Tribe. Tribe. Yeah, it's on. Rest repo, and they were on the. Were they about the process of like dying and people's experiences? But they come back. So, like he was, he was about to die, and he felt like he was sinking into the dark. But people like that, like you were saying, people that he'd lost kept coming to him and like, come this way, everything's good, and and then um, so it's like it seems to be a reoccurring thing that happens. And he he's done the same research and said like these same experiences seem to happen to everyone that dies. Yeah. Um, whether that's linked to the maybe a DMT release in your brain or well, I've thought about the is. DMT release at death. What's the evolutionary purpose for that? Like, I just, if everything's just evolution, if you're an old fella, you've had your kids and your grandkids and and you're about to die. Why would the universe give you a, a trip at the end? It just doesn't. You'd just be a bit of bit of mud, wouldn't you? Like, see you later. You've done your dash. It just it just seems to be go out the way you come in. Yeah, well, that's (laughs) right. (laughs) Well, yeah. I was just I don't know. I watched. um, There's a musician I like, and he's just put out a little doco, and um, and this lady's on it, and she was talking about her earliest memory, and she was saying my earliest memory, and I remember it now. She said I must have been man. I wasn't even a year old or something. And she goes, and it was like a flash in my head, and I remember it, and I said to myself, and I couldn't even talk. Oh, back again. <laughs> that was the first thing she ever remembered thinking. Yeah. Oh. 
Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> that is weird. Yeah, so there's a lot going on. Um, that might be for yeah. Well, well, we, that's a whole oh, other show. Relative. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we've gone pretty, pretty wild and pretty deep. Well, how do you, how do you get into what what pushed you to get into naturopathy? Uh, it started mainly when I was eight. I was run over by a car, and they almost cut my leg off and five surgeries. Month in hospital. Yeah. Jesus. Um, and the medical profession really didn't have a whole lot of stuff like to get me back functional. Um, natural therapies did. Year 10, I did some uh, work placement like with uh, a guy that was a chiro. Um, he was doing massage and acupuncture and his wife did iridology and herbalism. And I kind of went, it sounds pretty cool, but have all the tools there. And I really didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up type thing until probably end of year 11, start of year 12. And saw a handbook for naturopathy and just went, so you can do herbs, you can do nutrition, you can do bark flowers, you can talk about food, you can do massage, you can have all these tools so mm. to actually help. And it was the one thing that kind of interested me and 30 years, 34, 35 years later, I haven't shut up about it. So kind of it, that was what I wanted to do, that was all I wanted to talk about. Um, so that's where I kind of went. I had lots of injuries, so I learned how to fix injuries. Yeah. That's a bit of a side sort of project. Um, I got into microcurrent stuff. Yeah, I want to talk about that, actually. Because that... Well, yeah. So that that was how I got into it. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, you you start your own practice and and it sucks and it's hard and and people say it's going to take five years and I went, I don't want to hear that. Twenty five years later, (laughs) so you know I can I I take the attitude that I love looking after my clients and I want to see them improve their quality of life. Yeah, and I only get business out of that if I achieve that goal for them. So I'm really clear on that concept that I'm here. I'm working hard. I want to see you with the biggest grin on your face, and I get paid to put a grin on someone's face and, and have them going, oh, man, I'm so happy. I feel so much better. I mean, I'm playing with my kids. I'm out doing this. I'm back doing sport. And you kind of go, that, and I get paid for that. That's the coolest yeah, thing. So it's a big impact to have on people's lives. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, and, like, it is rewarding. It is, there's a lot of sort of, um, you know, positive feedback. And the amount of couples that I've helped actually have kids and bring kids into this world yeah. is really cool. And so it's... It's, it is a rewarding type thing, and it's never boring. Yeah. And I do get bored easily. So um, the human body, there's still so much we don't know. Yeah. And because we don't know, then it's always open to learning. And the more we understand, the, the more passionate I get about it. And people start talking about stuff. And I go, yeah, oh, I found out this, and you can do that, and you can do this. And, and the frustrating thing is I have to sit back and wait for nature to do its course. Yeah. Because bones... Heal in six weeks on average. I've done it in two. Um, wow. Yeah. So broke my leg in a tournament. It took me two weeks to get back to training. Um, wow. And I got it x-rayed like three times in that time. So you, there's the human potential. And we see that in sport, that someone like Nathan Miller can like do the training that he does and, and recover the way he does. Yeah. And it's sort of, and that's not normal. 
but then the human body has this potential. But then when it comes to healing and, and health, we kind of go, nah, that's not real. But then you look at Wim Hof and what he's been able to do. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. And it's like, yeah. so, yeah. you know, we, that's we a big need to Wim stop. Wolf guy. Yeah, yeah. we've we got to stop talking that down. Yeah. And start trying to focus on how someone can yeah. achieve that and why. I don't, I don't want to be the next Wim Hof. Um, but it's kind of like what... But Wim's doing the right thing. He's going to universities, they're putting plugs yeah. in him, saying, here we go, and he's and they can't, they don't want to believe it, but it's right. It's yeah, really strange you how... You can't deny it. Though. Yeah, I think it shows that that mindset you come in, you get when you come out of university, that this, the blinkers are on, yeah. and this is the way it is, and anything else is abnormality, and you get cognitive dissonance, you just can't see it. And Wim, was he's been around since the 80s, probably earlier doing this thing. No one gave a shit about him yeah. until there's maybe a slight change or a generational change at the unis. There's been that stigma attached maybe from mm. a certain time, I don't know, where everyone... I think maybe the psychedelic stuff in the 60s and anything that became that became public enemy number one, they stopped all research into psychedelics. Just carte blanche. No, no one can do it. You could be Oxford Uni and you're not allowed to touch it. It's, it's insane. It's like yeah. the Inquisition. And that, that took a whole generation or two well, that's to get rid of. Well, that's again now. Yeah, now it's... Starting to research and it actually is yeah. some good medicine if it's used properly, you yeah. know, so... So if anyone's got any ketamine, let us know. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, ketamine is used immensely in the US with IV nutrition. Okay. Yeah. So they use the NAD in the US and ketamine, yeah. and they get amazing results. In Australia, we're so backwards in so many of those things. Yeah. In Australia, you can't get DHEA, so it's a rate-limiting enzyme that helps your body produce for um, estrogen or testosterone. So yeah. because it helps you make testosterone, it's got to be yeah. an anabolic steroid. It's rate-limiting, so you can take 10 times the recommended dose and nothing more will actually be created. It just gets you to that normal level. Okay, yeah. So that's that's still banned in Australia. You can buy it off any health food store, like nutrition store in the US. Yeah. Melatonin you can't buy on the shelf. And I think they've... I heard someone recently say they've changed that, but... It's prescription only, and it's like, but if you use it stupidly, it doesn't work and it doesn't make you feel good. And there is mm. a, everything has a toxicity limit. Everything. Water has a toxicity limit. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's it kind of it's made to be quite dangerous when it's not technically, and you can buy that off any shelf in the US. Yeah. And in the land of litigation, if you're going to sell something that is dangerous, you will get sued and yeah. it will disappear. And it's still on the shelf. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> the last time I checked, this wasn't real safe when you drank a lot of it. No, either. that's right. Yeah, but see, you think about the kickbacks and also... So why are we still selling cigarettes? If we, well, that's if a classic. Chaos, if yeah. the government genuinely like, shit, really worried yeah. about, you know, and how much that costs, the yeah. why are they still yeah. selling cigarettes? Yeah. It's yeah. not like we're going, oh, I don't know, we're still out to, you know... Everyone not really knows. clear on what it is, yeah. it's not really. Yeah, they had to, the, uh, cigarettes had to create... The companies had to create their own because they're not a f they wouldn't be allowed to be sold if they were a food an ingestible product so yeah. they're definitely banned and if they're a service or something like that um, they wouldn't be allowed to sell because they'll kill you so they actually had to invent a, a third way for cigarettes to be sold because they're nothing but death you know yeah so um, the fact that anyone would pick one up now and just start smoking man I see heaps of, heaps of kids fucking like, doing it man I don't get it you mm. didn't get high off it there's no there's no, like, no. allure in that I think the well, it's a lot of, there's a lot of cigarette smoking on Netflix and shit. You notice that? There's 1950s, 1960s shows. Yep. And, and, they, and Tarantino gets away of it and stuff as well. He makes good movies, admittedly. But there's a lot of cigarette smoking, man. And that's, it wouldn't surprise me if there's some tobacco money in there in somewhere, the eh? You know? Yeah. 
because that's cool. I yeah. did it. I used to smoke when I was a kid. It's cool. It took me fucking ages to get it down. But but it, that's what it was. And in fact, when I was young, they used to sell packets of tens, which had more nicotine in them to get the kids hooked because we couldn't afford it. And they used to sell us these little, um, when we were even before then, that was, we used to get them when we were like 12 or something, those packets of tens. And before then, they used to give um, cigarette lollies. Did you remember that? Yeah, the fads. Spacemen or whatever. Get, yeah, it's fucking wild when you look at that stuff now, isn't it? You yeah, know? I guess. I can't yeah. even take my kids. I won't even give them a Happy Meal or anything like no. that. You know, like, this shit brainwash food. Yeah, shit like, food yeah. and it's brainwashing them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I suppose. I tried, um, I remember at six trying to smoke all my old boys' cigarettes yeah. and just pick it. <laughs> Next one, I think I went through a whole pack and then I just, that must have turned me off a lot. That was it for you. Yeah, that was it. But yeah, yeah I don't get it. I, was, I never got into it. Mainly my, well, yeah. my, gra- well, my grandfather died, was a chain smoker and died oh, yeah. when my father was like 15 or 16. So then the thought of me picking up a cigarette and him seeing that, yeah. just, I went, oh, I just couldn't do that to him. So. Yeah. And then, because, you know, it tastes so good and makes you feel awesome. And <laughs> you smell so good. And, yeah, and no, then it's, you, it's, you know, it's not like you're socially ostracised or something like that yeah. these days. So <laughs> yeah. you kind of, I just don't get it. Yeah. No, I don't get it either. Everyone has to go outside. And, yeah. You see them out there in the restaurant and that, and they're out there. The poison nipple, They walk man. in, everyone looks at you like... <sighs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they weren't breastfed enough. I think. It's got something to do with that. Poison Sucking nipple cigarettes. Remember yeah. they bought out death cigarettes? With a skull and crossbones, I think an anti-smoker guy bought out death cigarettes and he fucking sold shitloads. Of course he did. Because they're hardcore. Cause they're Cause hardcore. <laughs> Everyone's hardcore until they see that black dot on the x-ray. Yeah. And then they go, uh-oh. Until their little friend welcomes them. To That's the right. Come over here. Come on. It, well, it does amaze me how many times we can be ignorant of what we're doing mm. until it's pointed out that this yeah. is the consequences. But, I mean, it's the same, like driving a car a certain way, um, how much alcohol you drink, cigarettes yeah. you smoke, the food that you eat, and people just don't want to hear that it's the food that they eat, yeah. that what you put in your gut is actually what your body has to work with. And if it's poor quality, it's a lot harder to break down and deal with. You'll get much less out of it. You chew up more resources trying to process it, and you're actually encouraging bugs that are going to kick your ass at some point mm. in time to breed. And, and then they get bigger and bigger and more populations. And those bugs, the reason we call bad bugs bad is what they produce is toxic or harmful or irritating. The more of those you breed, the worse you're going to feel. So it's a bit like I always use the dog analogy. If you've got 10 dogs running around your house at home, sounds all right until you find out they're not toilet trained. Yeah. And you get home at the end of the day and your house stinks and they're pissed and crapped all through your house. Yep. If you wanted to improve that, you could use a deodorizer, right? Yeah. install some fans to you know better exhaust and you kind yeah. of go that's a lot of money that doesn't make a whole lot of sense yeah if you got rid of the dogs first and then cleaned up that would make more sense to yeah. me so that's why i go after like sort of bad bugs and listen for that like how many are there and what they're doing the testing processes these days are reasonably expensive to find out where your bug profile is and i'm still very suspicious that we don't know the names of all the bugs on the face of the earth yeah, yeah, yeah that's for a sure. Reasonable call. Yep. And because Australia is an island, our bug profile should be fairly static. So as long as people don't do international travel, we can't do it now. But obviously, yeah. we have done it for many, many years. Yeah. So we jump on a plane, we fly to Bali, we eat their food, drink their water, and come back. 
we bring their bugs back. Yeah. We go to Borneo, we go to America, we go to Europe. We yeah. Go all different parts so of So how Asia. does that affect the biome? Does that mean we, we need to be across all the continents in our gut? Like we need No, you think about it. Evolution-wise, when did we ever travel to another continent? Yeah, it didn't happen. It was extremely yeah, we, rare. Yeah, we did it. Yeah. And if you did... To conquer it, your life expectancy was a hell of a lot shorter to yeah. then worry about long-term effects yeah. of mixing your microbiome. Yeah. But then we're mixing it with different bugs from different places. And so we know the names of the bugs that kill us, but we don't necessarily know the names of all of the bugs that might compromise your health. And if you had like that dude and that dude and that guy, once you get those three there, oh, then you're in trouble. How are we going to track all of that? You can't really. How do we track yeah. what's coming in? How do we track how many you've got? Which ones are troublemakers? Which ones aren't? And it, so it becomes fairly chaotic. And that's why doing a generalised, let's just try and get rid of as many bad guys as possible. And then, because I tend to do the live blood stuff, you can see the changes within the blood. You can see how much happier it gets, how better their immune... If their immune system looks better, most of your immune system is in or around your gut. Mm. We took this sample from your finger... I have to assume that gut stuff is have to be a lot better because it's affecting your entire immune system. Yeah. Your immune system fights better or it's also responsible for your inflammatory process. So less inflammation means less pain. And inflammation drives everything that kills us. So it's like, wouldn't you want to minimise that? Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Allergy response, that's where your body's learning about the world that we put through our gut. If you could improve your immune response, you decrease your allergies. And there have been clients that have come to see me that are diagnosed anaphylactic. They've gotten into the Navy years later and the Navy has diagnosed them as zero allergies. Yep. I can't make a claim, but they were anaphylactic and then they weren't. And the Navy's covering its butt because <coughs> it doesn't want, you know, obviously... Yeah, yeah. that on their hand. ...down yeah. the track, so... It's fascinating that you can actually modify a lot of this behaviour within your gut, but that's where it gets primed. Yeah. And that's where your body learns, and it makes sense that it learns because it's not getting a challenge from anywhere else that often. Yeah. Mm. That's true. That's where, you, that's, the, that's where you put everything in, isn't it? It goes straight to your gut. Yeah. And so that's where all the main defences are. Yes. And there's a lot of research now into autism and, and gut health as well. It's been around for a long time. Yeah. It's only just gaining momentum because I think we've tried lots of other things and as long as those things continue to fail we have to keep coming back to what we did actually see that worked yeah but i've listened to professors and um like psychologists psychiatrists professors in psychiatry going the first thing i do with my my clients is take them off their meds and talk to them about food and lifestyle yeah she's, she's not very popular in her field <laughs> no but it's kind of like She's actually looking at what you put in and there's a huge amount of research that what you eat dictates your mood. Yeah, for sure. And your mental health. Yeah. Because you have 95% of your serotonin being made in your gut. But we take antidepressants to pump up your serotonin. Is that right? In your gut? 95. Wow. And it's like, so if your gut is inflamed, you're missing out on a certain percentage. Yeah. So that can then influence mood and behavior and, and some other things. And it's like, so... Wouldn't you start with the gut before you wanted to start medicating yeah, yeah. and looking at things? So, Well, I've seen um, a, a little, um, it was a short story. A few years ago, I put it, I was on an Australian show. Uh, it was an Australian, like, a fun show, half an hour science show, New Science, and they did a, a fecal matter transfer, you know, on this lady who had just, um, she was suicidal on that. Her gut, she had no gut biome. She was just 
water passed through her, man. She'd been living like it for years. And they went through the old books, and they that's what they did hundreds of years ago. They'd do a shit transfer, you know, if you had problems in your, um, in your gut. And they did it to her, and it cured her over fucking night, you know. And, um, and then there was... A few months later, there was another show talking about the new research into autism and gut bacteria. And I was thought, why the fuck don't they combine the both of those? Then wouldn't it be a simple matter? You know, if you can reflora, can you reflora the gut that easily? With yeah, well, they kill it off and then they reflora it. So there are people that are donors yeah. for good quality microbiome, and that means they can't do international travel too. Oh, okay. Well, you can't go and mess with that that balance. Yeah. But, um, it affects, but it goes even deeper than that, doesn't it? Like you get marathon runners and, and stuff. That There's a famous case where a marathon runner got her cousin's uh, fecal transfer from her and her cousin was obese. And like six months later, the, the poor girl's obese. Yep. Like it, so your bug profile does affect many, many things. Yeah. Not that it's an excuse that it's my bugs and therefore... That's why I ate 10,000 calories today. (laughs) It's not the 10,000 calories, it's that bug. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's a fat bastard. (laughs) But it's, it's. The biggest thing that gets me is there's not really any education. People's understanding of. They have no idea what they're eating or what they're supposed to be eating. Or it's not taught at school, is it? No, there's no education on it. They get given that stupid um, food pyramid. Which was bullshit. Yeah. Anyway, it was yeah, all, it was made which by. Is, it's now banned. Yeah, yeah, because you could buy your portion of that food yeah. pyramid. Yeah, and yeah. they they got taken to court and they worked out who had bought. Yeah, their is that right? And they went, "That's it. You can't use the that grains anymore. Bought. It's out." Yeah, yeah, because they just went, "Well, you got to have this. We we'll sponsor, it, but we'll put the most money up and we'll get the biggest chunk of yeah. the food pyramid." Yeah. And what was, was that? Was that, that, was that was grains? Whole grains? That was all, all the processed shit. The shit that yeah. you're not supposed to eat. What but, do you think about that? About the lectins and the whole grain thing? Like, there's so another. Like, let's say you're trying to be healthy, you jump online. Jesus Christ! You get one expert saying whole grains are great for you. You Get one other one saying full of lectins is going to kill you. Never do it. I've, I'm a surgeon. I've done ten thousand operations. Like, there's no real. You know, I'm a smart enough guy, but there's no real way to navigate it. Whole you grains know, what, are not even really whole grains, though. Like, they can put anything on the packet or sell it as a product if it's a, only of a certain percentage of yeah. the flour or something. I had a, I had a friend that worked at a, a big bread company. Yeah. And, um, yeah, she, um, she, was, she informed me of how they actually passed the grain as a whole grain. Mm. It only had to be a tiny percentage a of bit. it going in, and there was no real difference in the yeah. when they could sell it off. I can't, I can't explain it exactly. It was so many years ago, but it was yeah, but yeah, that, absolute but shit. The, so defining things, and but even if they say it's a whole grain, whole yeah. grains have only been in our diet for 10,000 years. Yeah. Agriculture actually yeah, since our farm. Yeah. yeah, so it's kind of like we haven't really... That shouldn't be the be-all and end-all in our diet, but yeah. the dietetics world tends to promote that first and foremost. Yeah. And it's like if I walked out into the escarpment and walked around and tried to find enough wild-growing wheat or barley or something like that to make a loaf of bread, yeah. that yeah. doesn't make sense to me yeah. at all. But then we'll have a loaf of bread every day. Yeah. Yeah. Hang on, what? Where, where did you? Where would that ever happen in in yeah. nature? So I love well, my kids used to love those naked and afraid shows, where they put two um, survival experts naked and in the wild. Oh wow! They're yeah. allowed to take one utensil, so whether it's a knife or a flint or something like that, and then they could make their own clothes and blah blah blah. 
So when you're out there for 21 days, you'll eat anything. Yep. But then today, we get to walk out the door. We don't even actually have to leave the house. We can just call food, and it's the food that I want. Someone else makes it. Someone else has grown that rice. Someone else has hunted that chicken. Someone else has ground that curry. And I order it, and it comes to my door. Yeah. I have zero effort making like or preparing that. Yeah. And you're getting these calories, and you're getting things that you don't know what is actually in it. So yeah. whether it's a grain or not, it's not that simple. And also because it's all manufactured. Yeah. And even if it was the whole grain, we're not meant to have that amount of whole grain yeah. Yeah. in our diet. And the paleo diet, I don't like following trends or things like that, but the paleo had a lot of concepts that made sense. In other words, you're eating meat because it's always been in our diet. We're eating lots of fresh fruit and veggies and some nuts and seeds yeah. and some oils <laughs> here and there. It doesn't have to get more complicated than that. Yeah, yeah. But then we bring in all these whole grains and, and things like that. And then, like, I've seen paleo bars. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know Paleolithic man pal- actually made <laughs> bars. <laughs> no, there you go. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. then there's commercial yeah. side of it. Yeah. And I guess you're missing the point. Stop commercialising it. Yeah. It's actually more of a mindset around what you're doing and how you're eating things. Yeah. It comes back to that same conversation we're having about the medicines, really, in the yeah. um, pharmaceutical companies and versus the plants. And yep. Yeah. But also doing your own research within like how you feel. Yeah, so this is absolutely. How you work it. This is how yeah. you work it out. So some people might go, this is the best thing on the planet and you eat it. And that, that's according. So your microbiome is more unique to you than your fingerprint. Wow. Yeah. So if it's more unique to you, so if we get an apple cut in half, you eat half, I eat half, it's going to be the same reaction, right? Because it's the same apple. It depends. Is our microbiome similar? Then we'll have the same reaction. If they're significantly different, yeah. we can have a potentially very different reaction. So let's make these generalizations yeah, based absolutely. on what our microbiome is. Yeah, doing. I was going to ask you about that. About would ethnicity? Well, the like. Well, if we're living in India, we've got a completely different microbiome over there as well. So, so in India, they can eat raw chicken. Wow, they yeah. actually do that in certain parts of India. They eat raw chicken, and this like exchange wow. student went over there and he goes, "They're doing it. I should be fine." And it almost killed him. Oh, oh shit. he like just scraped through yeah, the poisoning fuck, from it. That is nasty. So his microbiome was not set up for that. Well, they swim around the Ganges with all those birding bodies and yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you think about like how you how you're brought up, how your microbiome has grown and evolved. Yeah, and you need to be respectful. And then we displace ourselves. So technically, I know I'm not meant to be living in Australia. I'm meant to be living in more like Celtic areas, so Ireland and all that yeah. sort of stuff. That's yeah. where my ancestors yeah. were. But then when we see there's some generalizations that kind of work that. If you're more that that Baltic kind of Yugoslav background, they're not very good detoxifiers because they've had pristine land for centuries. So then they didn't have to be really good at detoxifying, but now they're in a toxic country and that's what hits them harder and faster. Yeah, Yeah. whereas the Chinese probably have been cultivating for a lot longer. Yeah, Mm. and they also ferment a lot of things and so do the the Germans and that sort of stuff. So it's interesting how they've protected themselves and and learnt that. Absolutely, and I remember years ago I went to Czech Republic and I got like a salad and the salad came out and it was like four sausages and a, a bit of parsley. Like it was the amount of meat and dumplings they <laughs> ate and yet they were all fucking gorgeous and like oh, yeah. slim as. I'm like, how are you guys eating this stuff yeah. and staying that shape? And the French with their saturated fats and they yeah, yeah. saturated and fats low, are bad. Yeah. But they have low heart disease. Low heart disease, yeah. So the generalizations made about food that just don't pan out. 
Yeah. And so I kind of like to look at those Do you think that's a biome thing? The, the, is it the biome that's protecting them? It would be interesting them? to look yeah. at the microbiome. And there's been some interesting research, like bugs on your skin, and, and they can actually track populations of where you've been and tell that you've been swimming in the ocean. And you tend to go to, you know, the, the fields and stuff like that. So they're just... Yep. We're mixing bugs all the time. We're meant to be walking in nature and, you know, exposing ourselves to bugs. But you can smell the bugs after the rain when you walk through yeah. a forest. Beautiful. Mm. But we don't really tend to do that. We sit in a closed environment with yeah. artificial lighting and then go, yeah, I don't know what's going on with my microbiome. And it's like, well, you're not feeding it and yeah. you don't look after it. So it's, it becomes a really interesting discussion around the food you eat, where you put it. And, how, and then you need to listen for how your body deals yeah. with that and processes it. And then you need to make some individual decisions. Because I, I have people telling me all the time, you should do this, don't do that, don't do this. And I go, I know that if I do that, that's how I feel. That's good, that's bad for me. And just be polite with... Yeah, it's, a, it's an individual thing. And I think that goes for for your politics and what you like for everything you know you take everyone else's ideas on but then you think about it you know and you you're the ultimate universe's ultimate experiment is you well, you, you know? are you are a universe unto yourself yeah absolutely and you are an ecosystem unto yourself yeah. Yeah. But we want to then have that dictated by someone else and you go well it doesn't always pan out so well yeah absolutely that becomes a fascinating discussion. And then we're not, but we're not taught <laughs> how to, like, we're not taught to be individualistic, really. We say we are, but we're not, you know. We're taught we're this not, is the science, yeah. Yeah. These are, we all have to do, this is the way we do things, you know. Yeah. And if you get outside the box too far, you're just ostracised, you know. You know. We're not taught to think. Yeah. Yeah. And schools are meant to teach us how to think and how to learn for ourselves, but that's not. And they teach us what to think. Yeah. As yeah. opposed to how yep. to think. That's and they teach us of, to repeat yeah. what is taught to us. In other words, I'll tell you what you're allowed to say and this is the answer. Yeah. yeah. And it goes right through the university as well, which is the real issue. And it's, and it's not a teacher issue, I don't think. Like, my kids have got good teachers. This is just the system. It's a, they, yeah, it's yeah. systemic. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely yeah. a system. Because, yeah. yeah, they're good teachers, but they just don't even... Oh, who do we, we're talking... Do we have someone on we're talking about the... Um, oh, was it the Finland? The number one education system in the world? Yeah. And, yeah, the, the kids do, like, an hour of work a day, and the rest of it's just playtime. And then they actually tested them against all the kids of the world. And they, they I think they were level with the Koreans, who do, like, 40 hours a day or some shit. They are ridiculous. <laughs> Dictated learning. Oh, they are ridiculous. <laughs> how they treat their kids and that, man. You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like they, the education is all of it. And I yet the kids already know what, and if you look, well, case in point is all the stuff we're, we're doing here. And when I was a kid growing up, I wanted to go to fish and ship shop and play video games. Ah, oh, you're just wasting yeah. your time. That's what a, this child wanted to do. And I wanted to play guitar and all that. But now what is the, one of the biggest in, industries in the world is the gaming industry. Like the, we knew, you know, whatever the kids were into, that's kind of where things are going to go, man. So they know what they're doing. I think, you know, well, you've got to guide them. But It's been interesting to think that we're sending our kids to university to get degrees for jobs that won't exist by the time they get the, yeah. the degree. It's yeah. mental. And then you kind of go, so how do you teach someone how to actually get themselves ready for what ha- doesn't exist yet? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's called the arts and that, though, isn't it? And they're, and they're getting rid of those. But yeah. you read books about famous thinkers and this is, you know, like there's been such brilliant minds, like Hippocrates and all that. But you don't read him anymore. That's in the arts. Yeah. You know, like you're out in your ass if you, if you do that. So it's all got to be engineering. It's got to be things we already know. Yeah, I've got a client of mine and he's a smart dude. Like he's finishing off his sixth degree. Yeah. And it's in um, quantum biology. 
Oh, yeah. That sounds like a whole um, kettle of fish there, well, doesn't it? So the quantum worms. world is, is a world that technically doesn't exist until we actually observe it. Yeah. That's a head screw there. Mm. Um, and then biology and how that actually applies to our how we actually work. Now, yeah. we look solid and we feel solid, but we know that those cells are made up, like they, they make up um, tissues. Water. The tissues are made up of cells, the cells are made up of molecules, and molecules are made up of atoms. And atoms are 99.9999, whatever, percent so nothing. nothing. Yeah. So technically we're constantly moving and changing and we're technically not solid. Yeah. yeah. That's a hard thing to get your head around, but the physics of it is actually still sound. Yep. So that means that whatever thought I project can actually modify my physiology. mm but I typically expect to see the same person in the mirror in the morning. So I do see the same person in the mirror in the morning. But I ask clients that are overweight, do you see the skinny person or the lean, for a better term, the lean person in the mirror? And almost never they, they, no, they, they don't. just don't see it. So what, what do you expect to see? Who do you expect to actually be? And that mind stuff as far as fighting and headset and things like that is massive it's as it's massive with um success and where i'm going and you talk to people and they go just always thought i was going to do this and and make it so then they always attracted the 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 resources yeah to do that and achieve that yeah and then we create the blockages that put in front of that yeah but then people that are always sick and they use that as a I get attention because I'm always sick. Well, there's a classic book I read when I was a kid called The Celesting Prophecies. Did you ever read that? It was like one of the first, you know, what was it, new age thing. But he made made some really good points. And one of them was about conversations and the the types of personality you might get around a dinner table. And there's a ball of energy there. Now, if you get everyone's on the same wavelength and are bouncing off each other like a good podcast, um, (laughs) that ball of energy gets bigger. And, yeah. and everyone's buzzing from it. Feed, yeah. Now, if it's not such a um, a good group, there's a ball of energy in the middle of it, and then someone will, will get annoyed. You'll have the angry person over here, and he always gets pissed off. And you'll have the poor me person. She gets her energy. I, I'll make it a he. He gets his energy by by being, oh, what's wrong with you? No, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, like it's draining energy yeah. from the ball of energy that's that's there. And I, I, was, I read that when I was like 14 or something. Got a lot from it. And I've... And it's rang true so often, and especially in conversations, you know, yeah. what's happening there. Well, it makes complete sense, but... Yeah, it any- does. And you see the personalities, you go through a whole list of personalities, and they're there, these, these archetypes, you know. Yeah, yeah and especially in kids. You know, the, the third kid's normally a little bit um, poor me-ish, doesn't, hasn't got enough attention. Did yeah, you find yeah. that? Well, I thought that was a middle child supposed to be like that. Yeah, it was probably middle. Like well, if you've got five kids... <laughs> well, I, was, I was number two and I probably the every time the hospital rang it was always me so I don't know whether that was a yeah as in a, an attention thing but it's certainly not a deliberate so it, I worked out through like different kind of um, processes I had an addiction to pain yeah um, and that's not a good thing really but, yeah you, th- you think you did I always found ways yeah to to do it and then I just got used to dealing with a lot of pain over a long period of time. And then I'd learn how to fix it and it will go, woohoo, and it's like, but that's... And then you get to a certain age and you go, this needs to stop. It's really starting yeah. to kind of add up and become very unpleasant. Mm. But it's not a conscious thing, but you look at that. So the subconscious is about 30,000 times more powerful than your consciousness. 
and it's running, it's driving the bus and directing things and it's learning and interpreting on your behalf. Yeah. And that's why when people go, I don't know why that triggered me. And it's like, that's called a subconscious thing. And they talk about the shadow in psychology and stuff like that. Yeah. So actually learning about that and addressing it is how you actually grow and evolve and, and sort your shit out and not be such a pain in the ass to people around you. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I noticed the other day I got a pen and I just bought it from the shop because I needed a pen. And then I put it somewhere. And it was like five seconds later, I couldn't fucking find the pen. I'm like, I'm the person that put that pen somewhere. You know, it just wasn't being present, was it? I wasn't there. You know, mm. like when you lose yeah, things, you it means you put it somewhere. You're, did you put it there or did someone else put it there? You know, like. Yeah, you're in, you're in here instead of. Yeah, way here. in there. Yeah. You know, it's good to be in there sometimes, but not when well, you that's how, that's need a pen. You, yeah, you can learn about yourself in there. And that's how you grow and, and yeah. you look for that change. But, um, yeah, if, you, if you're just in here all the time, you, you miss this, that's for sure. Yeah, that's, well, that's the, same, that's the thing with screens and that as well. You know, I wonder yeah. when kids are going to get sick of them. And adults, actually. Yeah, we can't expect come, kids to yeah. get sick of them without adults getting sick of them. But, but reality is so 3D or 4D. You've got smells, you've got taste, you've got all this thing going on in reality that the fucking screen will never come close to man. Anytime I look at that and I find myself getting caught in it, like I actually get pissed off at Yeah, myself. same, man. I'm like, this is yeah. just shit. Like, what am I doing? It's shit. It's yeah. like, there's nothing even The worst thing about, about it is they, they fucking hired, like Facebook and that, they hired psychologists and... To and addict to, you. To, yeah. Especially ones that worked with heroin addicts to know how to get you. You know, so um, it's all... Oh, what's the word? It's so incestuous. It's just... um. But it's, I mean, advertising, so they use, they That's, know what words actually, you know, ta- like tag us in and, and get us interested and stuff like that. So I, you know, I used to work in a, walk into a health food store or, you know, bodybuilding store and you read the blurbs and you sit there and think, man, why am I on this? Like, this sounds awesome. And yeah, yeah. Hang on. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's called marketing. That's not reality. Yeah. No. The last thing you do, you know, if you want to buy a car is look at Toyota ad. Yeah. You know, you go to someone that's critiquing Toyota or something. And you, tra- you look at the McDonald's ads and you look at the Coke ads. Now, Coke... Coke makes out that you're going to be amazingly popular and yeah. really good looking yeah. and, and spend a lot of time on a tropical yeah. island having a ball with your friends. Or yeah. in a floaty in the middle of the yeah, ocean. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Hot chicks everywhere. We're still talking about a toxic sugar-loaded drink though, aren't we? Oh, yeah. Did we forget that bit? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Association, isn't it? Yeah. I, but I suppose it still works. I'm hoping this younger generation is a bit more cynical. They've been just so engulfed in it. Maybe they see through it a bit more. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I guess we'll wait and see. Yeah, because they're, yeah, they're we'll exposed to a lot more information than we ever were. Yeah, so I watch my son; he's eighteen, and he's always on YouTube and and looking at things and comparing stuff. And, yeah, yeah, and absolutely. The, the access, like, he's only just started driving cars, and he knows more about cars than. He goes, oh yeah, that's got a you know two Jay Z in it, and I go, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we had to use the like even when I was a kid, you had to go to the library and get. Yep. Books on everything. Yeah. So if you wanted to learn about it, you had to think, mm, I want to learn about that. Now I'm going to go get a book on it. Yeah, then you yeah. Then you get one, one yeah. little bit of information on it. and then. But you, know, you really absorbed you. it then? And now yeah, information is so ubiquitous. You kind of like... You just fucking throw it away, yeah, don't you? Yeah, do. Yeah. That's again. why I like the with music. I like buying vinyl because it means I have to give that album time. You know, yeah. I have to put the process on, got kids to bear the albums on. It's not, you know, it's not Spotify. It's just throwaway music. You yeah. should, I should really get rid of it as and well. But it's so fucking handy, you know. Um, <laughs> That's not a good thing to say when you're trying to build a record. <laughs> 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 yeah, I know. 
But you've got to be, it's integrity, isn't it? You know, you've got to be yeah. honest. We, we live in such an interesting time, which is actually a bit of a curse, you know, but... Um, yeah, but the honesty this, around, so what really works? I mean, that yeah. comes back to so many different aspects of our lives. So what, what really works? What really has an impact? What, what are you really interested in? Yeah. Integrity is one of those things that I think most people would know how to spell it a little and understand what the hell it means. Yeah. Authenticity, we hear about all this all the time, like, you know. And it's so it's, it's so easy for people to give lip service to that. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's the new word. It's inauthentic how fucking <laughs> often it's used. Like, and now we have... It's like every catchphrase that, that yeah. people try to push. And life coaches... Sorry, life coaches. I'm just not impressed with the, the term. Isn't it? They're going to coach you on life. And it's like, hang on, what are you, 22? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Seriously, there's a lot of that. Back up. I'm kind of like just, that with my music. I'm not really interested in musicians unless they've had been divorced and you know like I, I want people to have a fucking life to give to you. the older i get the older i want my people to, get, well, to be you, you know like how, you have to have lived some real fucking experience to be able to counsel people on it i think like yeah. what kind yeah. of lives have you lived yeah. you better have gone like fucking everywhere and know yeah. what it's like and how you could have dealt with it and you can't one size fits all that shit and That's for sure. Like life coaches, it's a kind of new phenomenon. It used to be, there used to be a shaman or something. Like I, I like the idea of a, especially for males. I don't know because I'm not female, but of a guide. You know, like someone, an old, older guy, a mentor. Guy that, yeah, mentor. mentor I would have yeah. liked that when I was growing up because I did some fucking stupid things. And if I'd had someone on my side, an older male, I could have just called mm. up and said, "Man, I'm in a bad way." It would have really helped me out. You know, so. I think there's definitely room there's, for that. There's no real like rite of passage in our Western world to become a man, or mm. you know, in traditional societies, there's, there's always that coming of age type thing. Yeah, and you the, go away with the men and you learn. And this is what's expected. Just, yeah, yeah, we don't have that here. You just well, become a man. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your, your traditional martial arts actually offered that because they, there's no easy passage. Yeah. But then you get so many egos in yeah. in that process too, and it's it's just hard to kind of remember what you're doing there and why you're doing it. Yeah, and it does tend to it taught me a lot, as in because it just created so much duress for the benefit, as in you'll learn this, you'll become better at that, rah, rah, rah. and it's not about you have to be the best at this or the best at that. You just had to be. I used to teach and go, well, I just want you to be better than when you walked in tonight. That's yeah. your goal. Yeah, not to be the best and not to be able to say you know punch the hardest or, or yeah. move the best or yeah yeah or the fittest. It's just about your personal journey and your personal improvement. Yeah, yeah. and I think that kind of <laughs> spills over into everything. Uh, like, what are you doing with yourself? Are you doing something constructive? Have you bought into someone else's ideal around what you should be doing and how you should be doing it? And I I get a bit frustrated when. People are repeating other people's stuff, and it's like, yeah, it's okay to repeat that, but really, what have you thought about that? Or what yeah, are you doing yeah. What do you, you really think? Yeah, yeah. Like, you got to come on. You got to develop that thing for yourself, and it, it takes time. But I think it's like people's. Um, it's almost like a confidence within themselves to be able to back their own ideas. That's and right. Well, we're taught and, from from. Your parents, they want to protect you. So don't go over there, Johnny. Yeah. Watch out. Don't do that. Don't jump off that fucking Johnny. You yeah. know? Next and minute, everything's fucking dangerous. And everything's dangerous. Yeah. And so Johnny's in his little box. Yeah. And, um, and don't think like that, Johnny. You know, you, we're, all born, we're all brainwashed because we're all born into a society with a set of ideas about the right and wrong way of doing things. Yeah. And so depending on what society, and that's basically 
it takes a lot to see that you're even in a society and that these thoughts you grew up with are just ways that this particular society has decided to do things, you mm. know. There, there may be some human truths like murdering people. I don't think there's too many societies out there where that was ever an okay thing around the world, you know. So there's probably some basic human humanness to it. But, you know, eating, eating human flesh... Yeah, my people used to do that back in the day and stuff. It wasn't; it's not a universal thing not to do. So, what's it? So, what I think, what I found with my, you know, ongoing journey of discovery is just to take a lot of different viewpoints. Yeah, you know, like take a terrible right wing viewpoint and just see where they think, what they're thinking about, and see if you can. And what and what I find is that most people, I, I think their motivations are. To help people, even in their weird way, they they want their family or their community. They see a threat coming to them. They want their community to be stronger, and I'm a protector. They might be doing it in a fucked up way and completely Mm. see the wrong enemy, which they normally do. They never say it's the banks. They always say it's the brown people or some shit like that. But generally, these you know, protectionism, you know. Or um, is it a sense of is it or the a power, power and the yeah, there's, trip? I think there's a lot of that <laughs> too. <laughs> but is that because people feel powerless? You know, like, probably that's why they need power. Well, it's a common, <laughs> yeah, it's a common thing that comes up as in overwhelmed, powerless. The common sort of term yeah. to get used, anxious, and so yeah. So yeah. then, then we want to sort of, and there's a lot of the male sort of you know become a man and rah, rah, yeah, rah, yeah. and do all that, become more powerful. And sometimes that's can't. Uh, I suppose it can be taught to a certain degree, but I think as a parent, you kind of need Found, to lead yeah. your kids in that direction. Which yeah. means the, the reality that scared the crap out of me having kids was they'll pick up subliminally everything that I do. So yeah. I set the standard about yeah. how to deal with success and failure and yeah. intimacy and siblings and friends and parents. Yeah. And they go, so that's how you do it. So yeah. if I get the shits and because oh, yeah, yeah. I'm the parent, I can throw the chair across the room. And then I saw my two-year-old do it and you go, Hang hey, that's room. wrong. Yeah. I know. And I'll so- see it come back <laughs> with my 20-year-old now and like he's he's me, you know. And I, But I can't beat myself up too much, you know, because I was just a fucking kid, yeah. you know. And yeah. none of us are perfect in that. We're all, as long as you're striving to be better. But they they pick up so fucking it's like, much. It's, it's like, oh, no. Oh. I made those mistakes. Those exact same mistakes. Yeah, you know? I find it a real like conscious battle now, where I'll, like I'll think about how I deal with certain, especially things like winning and losing, and you know what what path am I taking in life? What do I want to do? Am I doing this because someone else told me to do it, or am I doing this because I want to do it? You know what kind of what kind of journey you have, and like you want to lead them. I want to teach them to to not give in just because everyone else says that that's the way it is or it should be done because of x y and z like you want to show them to and it's hard to do at times because fuck to take your own path is is difficult and you know to stand up and and keep battling for something that you want when you know potentially everyone around you's belief is gone and stuff like that it's like it's a hard thing to show, but it, I almost feel like if I don't, then are they going to give up when things get tough? If the, if they don't have the example to show them, or if if the first obstacle that gets in their way kind of makes them go, oh no, I don't really want to do that anymore, or 
well, Dad, Dad decided this, so it's all right. Or it's a tough thing yeah, though, because sometimes it's, these decisions where I decided not to do something. I remember better. seeing something with yeah. Rock, The Rock, yeah. and he says the best thing that ever happened is that I didn't get the gig with the Dallas Cowboys, like you know. Mm. And he goes, and I was so excited, and I was, you know, and he thought he had the gig, and he didn't get it, and it was the best thing that ever it happened. Took to him, him down that other took pathway, him down another yeah. path. So whatever the pathway you're on is the right one, as long as you're learning from it. I think. Yeah. Hey? So it's yeah. the example, the example that gets set, but it's the example what to do or what not to do yeah and technically they can work either way yeah, so yeah. That, that's the example i follow but it's interesting i've bounced around lots of different sports and and martial arts and things like that and i kind of worked out that everyone has their measuring stick mm. so i could walk into a gym that has the power lifters down one end and their measuring stick is what you can lift yeah and they don't care about how they look they're big, solid dudes. They might have a bit of a gut, rah, 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 but they yeah. can throw these ridiculous weights around, and that's their measuring stick. If I walk across the gym, that's where the bodybuilders train. And the bodybuilders are only like they're sitting there watching and, and doing these different type of training because it's all about aesthetics and whether they've got six-pack yeah. abs and big biceps. You walk across the gym a little bit further, and the CrossFitters are down there. And the CrossFitters only care about whether you're um, an elite athlete and you're in the regionals and things yeah. like that. Yeah. And they're the living gods and they think the bodybuilders are just egotistical dickheads <laughs> yeah, and, and they look at the, the powerlifters and go, yeah, they can lift, but look at them, they're fat, they, they can't really go for a run, they can't do this. Yeah. Powerlifters up the other end of the gym going, look at these CrossFit blankets. <laughs> yeah, <can't> <laughs> like, oh, yeah. And then so you walk out of that and I could walk down the road to the judo place. And you walk into the judo and the judo guys only know, only care about whether you've placed nationally, what sort of belt, like what level you've got yeah. and whether, you know, you can do that well. I could walk out of that one and walk into the karate place and then they judge you on whether you've got what type of belt in karate yeah. and can you fight well and are you flexible and you kick someone in the head. Blah, blah, blah. And they don't care about judo and they don't care about whether you're good at CrossFit. Yeah. And then I could jump in the car and drive down the beach, and they go, yeah, that guy likes surfing big waves and can surf really well. They don't care about whether I do CrossFit, and they don't care whether <laughs> yeah. I actually yeah. do karate. So everyone has their own measuring stick. So it just yeah. comes down to when I join somewhere, do I want to jump that measuring stick so that then I'm higher up on their measuring stick and everyone else goes, look, he's, yeah, he's yeah. on blah. yeah. And it depends. Do you want to play that game? Yeah. So if I turn up to boxing, do it, can I? Would I last a round? That's that's the measuring stick. Yeah. In that gym, and it means nothing elsewhere. So boxing doesn't really count when it comes to jiu-jitsu and the jiu-jitsu guys yeah but all fights end up on the ground i'm going pretty sure most of them start on their feet too so <laughs> <laughs> there's lots of strikers that yeah, go yeah. well if you end up on the ground it's because i put you there and, and i don't have to worry about you getting up yeah it just yeah. depends my measuring stick do you want to play that game do you want to play that yeah i want to jump on that i'm going to try and train hard to get on their measuring stick to yeah. then walk down the road to be on that measuring stick Make a decision which measuring stick game do you want to play or do you don't want play to play them. any? Don't yeah. play them at all. Yeah. And then walk in, do the training, walk out and leave your ego out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Because you're still learning everything exactly. from everything you want to do yeah. and what's fun and what's not fun. Yeah. That's where it's at, isn't enjoy, it? Yeah. yeah so yeah. like surfing's all about you. Yeah. Doesn't really affect too many other people. Um, do you think, so you've always surfed? Yeah. I was about 13. You're a Wollongong boy? Yeah. Mm. Yep. So I grew up Ocean Street, so two blocks from North Beach. Oh, yeah. Wow. So my older brother surfed, and then I wanted to be like him. So, you know, a couple of years later, I started. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was really handy. So surfing's that 
it's all about you and it's all about you having fun and it yeah. like and it's a it's challenge in the ocean that and the ocean doesn't care that you're having a bad day <laughs> yeah. that you're a little bit tired that yeah. you you know you're struggling to you know get your duck dive right it yeah. just picks you up and ragdolls you and throws yeah. you around so yeah. that's that's a and you get to see some amazing places and and have some amazing experiences riding waves there's a humility with surfing i think oh you get when yeah. i was young and i remember sitting out in the ocean just going we're fucking nothing compared to this there's so much power yeah, you think it. you got something going on oh yeah. here comes the set yeah. oh i'm in the wrong spot yeah. oh no yeah. <laughs> and you're in trouble so yeah it's but it, there's lots of different things and lots of different like you know activities yeah and i find it it's interesting so we're going to come and talk to this guy and he's a multi-millionaire. So if I don't earn blah amount of money, I'm not measuring up on his measuring yeah. stick. It's like you, you're playing that game. You better you a dick. A lot of them are, <laughs> yeah. though, eh? Like, yeah, like yeah, billionaires absolutely. are playing that game, man. Yeah, so I don't, I mean, and the whole world's going to pack. What car did you pull up in? Do you care? <laughs> the bartender <laughs> over here. He's in the beer drinking he's game. He's not even doing anything. Yeah, and you keep <laughs> We're not live. Sake. What are you doing over there? <laughs> So, it, I mean, that's a concept that kind of goes across all of our... It's a great, yeah, it's in, a great way to think about it. ...entire sort of mm. existence around it is, eh? what game yeah. are we playing? Whose yeah. measuring stick am I trying yeah. to measure up to? And to a certain degree, we'll always do that with our parents. Yeah. And especially with that, that father role model yeah, of going, yeah. am I measuring up? Have I, you know, have I made my father proud? Is that what I want to hear? Would that yeah. make a difference in my life? I followed this... Um, uh, there's a... Uh, was he a Chilean director? His name's Alejandro Jodorowsky. He's a, he's a great surrealist, and all that, and I've been reading his books. And he he does the tarot and all this, and, yep. and um, man, he uses it as a psychology tool. It's just fucking fantastic. Um, and he's talking about yeah, yeah, you have to kill your father. He was saying that's a man's rite of passage, not literally kill them, yeah, yeah. but that what you're just saying there's am I measuring up to dad's standard? Dad did this and all that. Well, eventually the son has to kill the dad, as in. I'm not going to use that stick anymore, you know, like that's on my own person now. Mm. And, um, and, and, and well, also the mum as well, you know, I remember almost like it was yesterday that when I realised my parents were just people. Yeah, you know, I'm like, oh, it's a bit yeah. disappointing. I'm like, oh, but that is normal fucking people. Well, you know? it kind of like, helps you it was, it was accept good, them. It accepts all the, all the yeah. things that happened, you yeah. know. Yeah. yeah, they make mistakes. Yeah, they made mistakes. Yeah. They yeah. don't know everything. Yeah. yeah, it's a bizarre reality. It's a bizarre. Check. Isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. then that they had parents also. Yeah, and maybe their parents didn't know everything. And oh, the yeah. The chain goes on. It's like you, know, you start to understand people and maybe why they're yeah, they yeah, yeah, you can. Um, where the flaws are. Do you think of free will? Dep- depends on how old you are, to, like yeah. how you like your parents. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, they could beat the shit out of you when you were kids. That's yeah. illegal now, by the way. Yeah. Oh no, no. Back then, it was sweet. It was just common, and it yeah. happened. And I can remember as a kid, like joking with other kids about how much our parents beat the crap out of us. Yeah, and it was just that. That's just Wasn't the that way interesting? it was. Yeah, but, you know, like you kind of went, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. There's who's worse than theirs, so, and it was just like. That's, that was acceptable. So things change. And yeah. so, that, so someone else's parents and how they did it doesn't really count these days because we've learned so much and now we're much more responsible for, you know that like cracking yeah. your kids doesn't teach them anything. Yeah. No. And you generally get out, and especially if you're angry, oh, you know, yeah. like, oh, no. Any, but anything in anger. Yeah, yeah. Really anything doesn't in anger. work, does it? Yeah, that, that violent reaction yeah, because I'm angry and, so, and I want to lash out. Yeah. And... 
it's, that's childish within itself. Oh, right? it is, it's it? that's ill discipline. That, that's the little two year old coming out, isn't it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I I genuinely don't enjoy hurting people. I no, really no, no. don't. So therefore people that kind of get a bit uncomfortable and go, Oh, I wouldn't want to fight you and it's like, dude, seriously? Like if you mess with my kids, I'm sorry. Like that's why mm. I'm gonna lose yeah. it. But <laughs> apart from that, like you can call names and carry on. It's kinda of like, yeah, what? Yeah, you don't wanna hurt yeah, I was I'm, I don't think I've ever had the urge really Yeah. To wanna fucking hurt anyone. You like maybe in a boxing ring only because only to win. Not to actually cause damage, but even yeah. like people say, like, like I, I don't think I've ever got the real urge to bash somebody like outside of a ring. Like, yeah. it just I don't understand it. Well, I think it's having control of you. Yeah, losing your shit. I yeah. think. Yeah, it's amazing. But you can see people that drives there every day. Yeah. And they yeah. run around and they're in your face and they're threatening you yeah. every day. This volcano in their tummy, man. On. Yeah. And yeah. Like evolve, like, you know, grow up, sort it out. <laughs> yeah. And it's also, it's interesting that typically the better fighters don't have that. And it's the guys that think they've got something going on that are they're, always in your face yeah, and carrying on. Hopeless. But the people that really know what they're doing, yeah. they just sort of sit back and go, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's like that in any field though isn't it you know yeah. like the good guitarist and the, the yeah. really good one well, they're always the nicest people yeah, and shit. they yeah, never talk whatever. about it you know yeah, all good that's like the yeah. measuring stick thing yeah yeah they just haven't experienced the yeah, that they're trying to climb it. yeah and they're trying to climb it artificially they're not yeah. doing it out of integrity they're not doing it through actual skill they're yeah. actually they're trying to like jump a couple of bully runs. their way to yeah, it yeah. yeah by the big ego bullshit so mm. yeah yeah how did you get into the karate thing so similar to service? No, it was always something I wanted to do, and as bizarre as that sounds, a, a discipline. Yeah. And then I turned up one night because um, a guy that I was so I used to work at Steelers and we used to do a bit of security work, and and apparently this guy said a mate of mine knew another guy, and he goes, "Oh, that guy, I've seen him fight in tournaments, like you know, he's pretty full on." And I said, "What do you do?" And he goes, "Oh, finishing karate." And so I turned up one night and just loved it, trained four days a week of just karate for years yeah and just loved it just like unlike life karate showed you how to get to the next level yeah you just need to do this and you need to know that and you need to learn this and you'll go up the next grade yeah yeah for sure and then and they also look at your maturity which is what i obviously didn't know back then but then when you become an instructor you're watching the maturity more so than the technique but then I wish life was as easy as, dude, you just need to learn to do that amount of push-ups and need to learn these patterns and like carters and stuff like that. Yeah. And you got to do 10 fights. Yeah. That's it. And you go, man, I wish life could be that easy. <laughs> right. Your scorecard comes up, you won. It's well, sweet. I just, I just ticked all the boxes and I moved to the next level. Yeah. yeah. So if I turn up and work this hard, I'll get paid that amount. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, that's not how my life has worked. No, yeah. that's right. But also you have to set your own goal and then if you hit that goal, you've got to move it. Yeah. You know, is it a, are you a goal person? Do you like setting that or but bit looser than that? No, not really. Mm. See, I started judo because cause I was doing the training with some of the guys and I'd never done that type of, I've done a little bit of jiu-jitsu, but it was like how I'd ever thought about getting a black belt in judo and I went, no, nah, no. Yeah, and I didn't start it for that, and I and I didn't start karate for the black belt. But you kind of get there sooner or later, and then when you get it, you kind of go, "This is meant to mean something." In other words, as in what you've achieved, but it's not what you 
think it means. Yeah. And then you mm. learn your true learning starts when you get your black belt. You don't want to hear that when you stand on white belt. Yeah. 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 So. You know, the judo stuff, as long as I was learning, as long as I'm learning, as long as I'm challenging and I'm surviving the process, mm. I'm in. Uh, and I enjoy that because it challenges you mentally, challenges yeah. you physically. And avoiding being hurt is actually a very intimidating thing. So when someone's there to hurt you, as in for the competition, it's intimidating. Yeah. And you control that in your head. And then when you walk off that, that's a competent fighter then it's easy to kind of walk around the, the street and go, mm. I don't have to worry about people that aren't trained. Yeah. you've got that kind of in your back pocket. And that gets you out of so many different situations. Yeah. So I just kind of went, oh, I like learning things. It's challenging. Goal-orientated, I wouldn't say that. Mm. And as far as my practice is concerned, I, I don't have a figure that I'm meant to earn because I had those kind of things. If I had this, if I did that, if I turned over that amount... Yeah, that would be a sign. But I just kind of got to the point where it's whoever's sitting in front of me. What do they need? This is the moment that I'm concerned about. This is where I'm at, and I don't care about anything else. I'm not thinking about other stuff. So, going through heavy things in my life, like divorce, the the easy thing was to go to work and just concentrate on someone else. Mm. Yeah, and that was what actually made me really, really happy is helping someone else. Yeah, no matter what was going on in my life, and that just made such a difference so it kind of made me understand why i do what i do yeah. and why i'm doing this as a career and i just need to find a way that i can financially survive the process yeah yeah which you know you can chop and change with overheads and how much you charge and how many clients you see and and i like to generally not get rid of people but help them so that yeah yeah you don't want them to stay on yeah if i yeah. do my job properly they need me less and less in the future because mm. it's there's less and less issues with you so yeah it's interesting that, that the process always like like the thing you were searching for the thing that made you happy was the process yeah like it's not these measured these goals and these measures it always comes back to the process like yeah and that's always been that's what i've realized now at this latest stage in my career and being involved in boxing and yep. it is it's always been about the process when i think back now yep. for me it's about the process now again like that's refound the love of it and the commitment to it is what i get out of the process but just being present in it not so much about i've got to get here or do this or mm, i want yeah, to win yeah, this absolutely. belt like i'm so out of that now <clears throat> Like, I'm just invested in the process yeah. of doing it and, yeah, right and being though. in it. Because yeah. I, I was in the studio today, uh, and I was first, the kids have all been sick in that for, like, so I've been in there for months. And I had a whole, uh, just a day in there, the kids went, you know, they're at school and everything, and I was in there for, like, six hours. And I didn't even get one song fucking done. I got one guitar track over, over the course of time, but I was happy as Larry. You know, I'm like, fuck, I really enjoy doing this. Mm. So um, it's a process as yeah. well, man. Just you know? doing that. Yeah. I was, it's weird, again, like today, I think in the morning I hung some washing out or something like that, and, and this grace, I was happy. You yeah. know, like, we've, we've spoken about happiness before and that people want to be happy all the time, and I just think they're nuts. Like, I just don't think happiness works that way. Even if you're having the best day in the world, it doesn't mean you're going to be happy about it, you know, but sometimes, for me anyway, sometimes happiness just kind of, it's like a grace. Comes it just, over it, just yeah. it, it happened. And I was thinking about my kids, my wife, and, and I'm like, fuck. This is great. You yeah. know? It was a really nice thing. And it's, um, I don't know 
we tend, I, yeah, yeah, we tend to look at things as in this is my goal and that's all I want to talk about. And it's like, but everything has two sides. Yeah. I wouldn't appreciate how I felt to be happy if I hadn't been miserable at some point in time. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, if you hadn't been really hungover, you don't know how good you feel when you're, yeah. <laughs> when you're not. Yeah. Um, so the, not the goal is to like do that, but everything has its double side. So mm-hmm. people can say, oh, you know, hey, Mark's really driven and, you know, he tends to be able to block everything out. So is that a good thing or a bad thing? And it's like, well, it depends on which side of the coin you're looking at. Yeah. It's a good thing if you need to concentrate and be in the moment and actually be in a combative situation. Yeah. It's not a good thing if you're supposed to be sitting at home to spending time with your kids. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's the same thing, but it depends which way you choose yeah. to look at yeah. it. Now, what defines me as being happy depends on how you're looking at it. Yeah. And depends on which side of the coin you want to actually stare at and have a silk about or, yeah. or, you know, concentrate on. Being happy all the time doesn't make sense to me either. That's insane. No. I used to get lectured, yeah. oh, you got to put on a happy face. And I go, but Why? what if I'm not? Yeah. It's I'm okay. happy to meet yeah. people that are, you having a bad day? Okay, cool. Mm. It happens. Yeah, that's right. Don't, don't give me the false it stuff. It happens more than <laughs> yeah, like yeah. some bullshit show yeah. because it'll make me feel uncomfortable if, if you're having a bad day. It's like, no, it doesn't. I have bad days. I get it. I yep. don't have to actually become a part of that. I can be empathetic, not sympathetic. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's kind of like it's unacceptable to mm. really show who you really are. And it's like, well, uh, what? And yeah. then, then we're breeding a culture of we're lying, lying. to each other. Instagram photos. Yeah. Yeah. Lie to ourselves every day and lie yeah. to everyone. So if you learn Truth. to lie to yourself, you can lie to anyone. Yeah. yeah. And I hate that process. Yeah. It's like I'm not always my best. That's fine. And I don't expect everyone else to be their best. But the idea is if I understand what I'm trying to achieve, then I can actually work towards that. But being yeah. in the moment, we talk about that in the moment, in the moment, and what does that really mean? But it's like very few people actually do anything in, in it, the moment yeah, because yeah. we're lost on our phones. Yeah. And that's not in the moment. No. That's total distraction. That's right. So do you actually, I mean, so meditation actually is, is supposed to get you into that moment. <laughs> And how many people go, I just can't do that, I can't do that, I can't do that. And let's go, that's a skill, right? Do you want to learn how to punch someone? That's a skill. What are you using that skill for? I like learning skills. I don't like hurting people, but I like how my body moves and how it feels and whether that's an effective thing. So when you crack the bag and it feels rock solid, you kind of go, yeah, that was cool. And you walk out feeling better afterwards. But what, what, what were you trying to achieve? So if you're tuning into your kids, if you're tuning into... Someone that's trying to talk to you that's going through something and you're distracted. Yep. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So having, it's a skill that you train yourself just like everything else. And it's interesting that people have these list of excuses around why they can't do blah. Yeah. It's like, well, learn the skill. It's a skill. Yeah. And you're never too fucking old. Jesus Christ, Mm. man. I'm still supposed to start trombone lessons. I've said a lot of shit. I'm going to have to watch all the... <laughs> this guy, has he done anything <laughs> yet? I've done fucking anything. Fucking hell. I said all my end of the year. This guy. <laughs> no, I haven't done anything. i said a lot of shit. <laughs> so I've got a lot of... Yeah, uh, I'm yeah. trying. Well, I've got to get back on the base. I've yeah. picked up one riff and now I've had all the moving excuses. And I sat down the other day. I was like, I need to sit down. I'm going to dedicate X amount of time a week to picking up... We bought Mark a base. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I'd love it. to learn the guitar. Mm, and yeah, I've always said that. Yes. Yeah, and I live with guys that, like, there was five of us living in this crazy house, and two of them were learning the guitar. It was yeah. the most frustrating, annoying time to listen to these people screw up the the, um, the chords. Yeah. Yeah. And try and practice it and almost get it and then destroy it and then yeah. start again. You're not and, supposed and, to listen to them practicing. Oh, it's just no, no. It's hard. <laughs> but I kind of sat there and went, I just don't, I don't see that I could. I, I haven't found that to want and that need to sit there and actually do it yeah. for myself. It, and yeah, it's... Um, I'll just do the air guitar. <laughs> just get stoked on your mates doing it, these guys. Well, that's why it's really important for parents to actually force their kids to do a musical instrument because they... Well, I don't know if you can. Like, I wanted to do I wanted to be Jimmy Page in that, but it's just such a good skill at the... You know, and you've only when you're young, you don't have a job generally, and you don't have these life pressures and shit. It's really it's a difficult thing to do when you're older. It's not impossible, and of course, you know anyone can do it. But just to find a bloody time in your life. Well, you don't really. make the time, do you? You yeah. like you get get other shit you prioritize first. So. But learning skills, learning skills, yeah. and trying skills to encourage your kids to it's yeah. skills. Oh, it's still hard. And I used to hear that with my son because he did started judo just before me, and I go, yep. Oh, paddling out the back. Oh, it's really hard. The waves are breaking on me. Yep. <laughs> Stop whinging about it. This is the way the world works. Yeah. Like yep. it's, if it was easy, you wouldn't value it. Yeah. So when you're developing a skill and you're getting better at it, like that sharpening the saw stuff is mm. really cool stuff. But then, like, so I watch my daughter do art, her art, and her art's amazing. So it just keeps getting better and better, and it's yeah, just so cool same. to watch that yep. evolve and develop. Yeah. And it's like so that that kind of gives you that purpose around this is why I'm alive, this is what I'm doing with myself if you're actually developing something. But if you're sitting there going, yeah, I turn up to work and then I go to the pub and then I... Yeah. yeah. And no wonder there's so much depression, so yeah. much fucking Prozac and shit out there, I isn't mean, it, you know? But, like, when we, if we go back to the diet too, like, I know any time I go from camp diet, healthy eating, training well, yep. like, my body should be broken down and busted up and, like, sometimes it does feel it, but more from the combat stuff. I seem to be functioning heaps better when I'm in camp and eating, as long as I'm not at the starving phase, where I'm eating well and eating healthy. I come off and eat processed shit and just drink a few beers and, like, I have so much inflammation today, it's a joke. Like, I can feel it. And I know it's the food doing it, but it's just my mindset's like, oh, it's, it's all right, you can I, eat I, it while well, you can. And Yeah, self-sabotage well, and that self-destructive behaviour is yeah. in all of us and yeah. we self-sabotage on a regular basis. So trying to work out a way to stop self-sabotaging is a massive benefit for us all. So yeah. why, why would we knowingly do all the wrong things? Yeah, why do we? Just, why, just, do yeah. I, why do I eat chocolate? self-sabotage yeah. stuff. Yeah, and that's, that's self-worth. Everything comes back to self-worth and self-esteem. If you could sort those two out, nothing would worry you in this world. Yeah. But we've all got these issues and we've all got this kind of shadow stuff. But it... A lot of people go, oh, I'm an elite athlete, I can eat anything I want, I'll burn it off. And Nathan Miller's the first to jump up and down and go, that's such bullshit. Yeah, yeah. You have to a lot more resources to deal with those chemicals that are coming along with shit food. Yeah. So if you didn't have to allot those resources, what? how else would you spend that performance-wise? So yeah. if, you, if you bought, say, one of the last HSVs available, you'd run yeah. that on E10, right? And you see people go, nah, yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 I'd put 98 in that for sure because it's, it's, it's a high-powered car. Yeah. So a Ferrari, you could get away with shitty fuel in that. No, next level again. Yeah. V8 supercars, next level again. <laughs> Formula One, next level again, super clean. Why? Because it's, it's 
Fine but it should be ridiculous, ridiculously important for the performance <laughs> of that machine. So the top end performance, you need the top end fuel. I'm an elite athlete. I don't need that. Yeah, and yeah. you sit there and you go, yeah. you're kidding yourself. Like you're never going to get that anywhere near what your potential is. Yeah. And so that's why when you're in camp and you're eating better, you're fueling that machine that your body is yeah. better. People whinge about being tired all the time. It's like, have you put decent fuel in lately? Yeah. Oh, it's too hard. What? Oh, okay. It's being tired's yeah. fucking harder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I find I, I don't talk to people a huge amount about food because I know when their gut's better, they make better food choices. As yeah. they make better food choices, that fuels their system better. They make more energy. Yeah. Then suddenly they feel like doing some exercise. Mm. Oh, okay, now they're exercising, now they're eating better, now they're starting to lose weight, now the system's working better. It's kind of like, oh, I think it's probably because I'm eating better. And I go, yeah, why didn't you do that before? Oh, I don't know. You get that gut, which is your second brain, to actually work better, and it starts to flow on, and that's your foundation. You get that right, life gets easy. Yeah. So it's... After, quick question, like on a more of a personal level, but like when we cut weight... Yep. And, like, say the last few days when you're pretty much, like, I think there's different research out now and I probably need to get in touch with the new weight-cutting guys that are experts in it. But we used to do all the low-residue stuff and then basically just fucking starve if I have to get get everything out of my stomach that I can and then try and refuel and get electrolytes and stuff back in and then rebalance it. but like what happens to your microbiome and your gut through that process, do you think? Like if in terms of it would just so just you, fuck you, it completely. You do kill a lot of it off. Yeah. So there's aerobic bacteria. So um Nathan would do this quite regularly. Anytime you train for over an hour, yeah. the oxygen's been taken away from your gut and your aerobic, so oxygen requiring yeah. bacteria, start to die. So how long are you training for? So as those bacteria die, they become quite toxic. As you train for longer than an hour, the histamine is released, your gut gets leaky, all this crap leaks into your circulation and goes straight to the muscles that are actually working the most. So runner's diarrhea is a thing. Mm. That's because your Yeah, I've had that a few times, yeah. So that's your toxicity of your gut actually degrading and breaking down. I wondered why it always happened. And then it pours into your... And that goes directly to the muscles that you're demanding to work. And then how's their recovery? Because you just poured a whole toxic shit fight all over them yeah so there's you do change your microbiome you change your microbiome just because you exercise so for the beneficial way if you do it for longer so it's an evolution thing so if you're running from something that's trying to chase you that's an evolution thing the fuck is chasing you for more than an hour (laughs) you can see that in nature that doesn't happen the lion sneaks up has a crack and then chills yeah the zebra runs and then chills but we, we create stress. Um, Dr. Robert Sapolsky did a, like, wrote a few books about why zebras don't have um, heart attacks. Because they run and then they chill out. They don't get there and go, man, that was close. Oh, yeah, it was so close. I couldn't believe it. I thought he was almost going to get yeah. us. And, and then, where's Dave? Where's Dave? Oh, no, not Dave. <laughs> oh, man, what are we going Wednesday night? Yeah. You know, and so they, stress, cross, yeah. they, yeah, they keep drag the all that on. Yeah. Up, yeah, yeah, humans are the only ones that do that. Yeah, we're the only we? ones <laughs> that do that. Dave, your mother. We relive it. Dave. So it's, it's interesting that when you look at animal behaviour, because we can make our physiology run for X amount of hours, like two days, it doesn't mean that's a good thing. Yeah, okay. When you can strip that amount of weight down, 
that doesn't mean it's a good thing. No, it's so certainly I, I not. I had issues with like bodybuilders and and physique athletes that they would strip and they'd screw their metabolism to strip that weight down. That is just then taught like it's thrown your body into chaos. Yeah, and then it's got to try and recover Perform. from that. Yeah, and that's why fighting and they're trying to encourage the UFC to fight at a more normal weight what people walk around at yeah. and not and one championship does it where they actually measure they, their hydration yeah, yeah and if you're too dehydrated they know that you've actually screwed with the system so you're in the wrong weight class mm-hmm. but um charles polycon used to talk about the ufc guys when they were allowed to do iv nutrition like bcaa's mm-hmm. in that post weigh-in yeah there'd be a difference of eight to ten kilos from weigh-in to um fight mm. eight to ten kilos is almost two weight classes mm. <laughs> I, know, I do the same thing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all do it so it is interesting yeah. who walks if you walk around at that you have a lot more endurance in your back pocket if yeah. you have actually put yourself through a massive amount of duress before the fight yeah then you need to find a way to recover from that so if you could minimize that so then it's kind your of performance is going to be better yeah, yeah. so then but then in boxing is it more about your endurance is it more about your technique is it more about you know the condition you're in when you rather walk than in? your size yeah. yeah so it's kind of that interesting conversation yeah. which is why these practices are still going on yeah there's no getting around it there's no magic pill you can take to make no mm. your physiology is not designed to do that no yeah. it's it's a it's defense ridiculous. it's, it's a, a defense mechanism yeah. yeah so it's a defense mechanism where it actually would kick it in to say you survive but yeah. your life's on the line so this is the the price you'll pay to survive yeah do you really want to be doing like paying that price on a regular basis when your life really yeah. isn't on the line like that yeah. and you kind of sit back and you go yeah that doesn't make a whole lot of sense does it so you, you know could. certain industries have screwed women's metabolism big yeah. time by doing that sort of stuff yeah yeah well actually i knew a few female athletes where they're like their um their cycles stop and yep. they're not designed to do that no. like where the guys that used to leave the cave and chase food yep. down yeah. they did not so it's not a sexist thing it's just and it's biology it's, yeah it's biology <laughs> of, of estrogen and testosterone yeah. so they're not meant to do that that's why they carry more body fat they're designed to actually be you know be able to like carry a child the full term so yeah. there's different physiological requirements they're making nine-month plans so you know stress and pregnancy is a big thing because if you're stressed you're technically telling your body it's not safe yeah it's not safe and they're making a nine-month plan yeah for yeah. us our role in pregnancy is Keep um, safe. So pretty short sometimes for some people so you know they only have to turn up. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> speak don't for want to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 completely different. Nine months, or you know, yeah. However long we want to talk about. So yeah, yeah. It, it is interesting. But then we're seeing more chemicals in the environment and more stress in our environment, and it's messing with our fertility. And our fertility rates are going out the door backwards. Yeah, yeah. And they're still not looking at trying to make us healthier. They're actually pushing our system with drugs. Yeah. So for me, I'm kind of trying to help my clients get healthier and instead of doing four rounds of IVF, they're actually falling naturally. Yeah. And then they fall in again naturally without even trying. Isn't that interesting when, when a couple can't have a baby and let's say they adopt or something like that and then suddenly the stress is stress off is gone. Yep. and boom, they have a kid. Yeah. You know, fucking yeah. heaps of stories like There's that, so much isn't stuff it? that makes like... So much sense, though. It's a defense mechanism you, yeah. from that evolution. Yep. And we just... We and also, um, women typically go into labor at about three in the morning, like during the night. Yeah. yeah. 
Because if you went into labour during the day and you were out in the field, you are extremely vulnerable. Yeah. So nature dictated to start the labour during the night yeah. where you would typically be in the cave or very hard yeah, to see. Yeah, safe and resting. Yeah. yeah, so it's just fascinating. Yeah. Oh, could I, I've, I just thought of heaps of new questions, but we're going to be on. Anyway, but one quick thing. I've been uh, following a lot of um, – I wanted to get onto your microcurrent yep. work. Yep. Um, I'm right in. I'm right into ele- the electric universe, basically. Yeah. Okay. And it's um, just fascinating, and it seems to be tying in a lot with um, this new um, uh, discoveries about water, uh, the fourth phase of water, and how water actually works inside the cell. Yep. And it's not like normal H two O. It's a different type of water, and it's actually uh, what is it? It's I think it's negatively. It's a negative electron, and it actually sucks the blood into it. If you're on the internet, we could check it in. Anyway, but with the um, with, oh, there's a guy Victor Schauberger who's around in the 1930s, I think, is a German. Uh, oh, what was he? He was a forestal, and he um, he wrote all these papers on how, excuse me, on how rivers work, and um, how they meander through, like. Well, let's say, for example, if you get a drop of water and you put it on a pane of glass, it doesn't go straight down the pane of glass. It always goes like this. Mm. And then so it, the top bit of the water or the bit that's touching the glass goes slower and it moves like that. And that's the way rivers go. And that's why rivers always go like this. And he started talking about the human body. And um, I, one of the things he invented as well, I'm getting to my point, was a pipe system for water that was 100% efficient. And what happens with this, this twisted pipes, and you shoot the water through it, and it actually starts running around the edge of the pipe with a hollow thing through the middle. And it's, there's no resistance. Like mm. you get, it's perfect timing, and it's incredible. And, um, and then I was watching this other geezer the other day talking about the human heart and our vein system, our artery system. And he was saying when the human heart, when it pumps, it doesn't just go pump and split, pump, split. It actually, the muscles, there's like 12 or 13 muscles in there, they're timed to go like this. So it actually twists the, the blood around it. And our arteries are kind of like that as well. So it's a perfect um, kind of system for getting blood around. Um, that was more of a statement than anything, but I wanted to get on to about the role, like your microcurrents and the role of electricity in in the body. Um, And Jenna, how did you get into the microcurrents thing and what is it? Okay, so microcurrent is a technology where it uses millions of an amp, so that's what microcurrent means, millions of an amp. Our body uses millions of an amp to conduct nerve nerve impulses, but also piezoelectricity, so pressure across ligaments, tendons, bones, produces um, a microcurrent. So microcurrent is a language the body uses. Yeah. And then they worked out that there were different electrical frequencies that, as in measured in hertz, that the body sat at. So your liver's 35 hertz, um, your heart's 33 hertz, your nervous system's 396 hertz, and your spinal cord's 10 hertz. So they could work, basically dial up a certain tissue using this technology and then run more often than not destructive interference so it's a very much a physics term. It's not. It's used for medicine, but it's a physics-based process. Yeah, runs destructive interference and sometimes constructive. So the same wave and the same wave will then double up, or the opposite wave cancels each other out. Yeah. So there's been a lot of research done about this, and the technology, in my opinion, is the probably the limiting factor. But at the moment, there's a Healy, which is a little um, square um, device that's multiple market from out of comes out of Singapore, but it's actually German based. Yeah, um, and it's got lots of different things. We've developed it. We've been doing it for like about twenty years, 
Um, it's a language the body uses, and yep. as long as you know frequencies, you can either reset physiological processes or support or cancel out things that you don't want yeah. to. So you can't make you know, super mad, but you can actually reset you closer to the original blueprint you were designed to be. Now, you think about all the things we've put in our way through trauma and toxins and, and different things like that. To reset any of that has been quite fascinating. So yeah. doing disc injuries, nerve um, injuries, so nerve pain, um, facet injuries, spinal cord stuff. Yeah, I've seen a, a, <clears throat> an American doctor using it on a burn victim on the hand was just totaled. And he said uh, it's about the energy in the system. And he said, and the skin needs to heal at this type of voltage and they're yep. not getting the voltage yep. into that exactly. healing. Exactly. So every injury, they can measure it. When you injure something, the voltage changes. Yeah. If they can run the, the healed voltage, it can bring it back. Oh, yeah. The result was unbelievable. Yep. Like this mutated hand was perfect at the end of it, you know. So electric universe again. It's it, in there. it is just yeah. Out, like there's the body electric by Bob Becker that you know re- did a lot, a lot of research. It was only in the 1950s we actually sort of settled on the fact that nerves do actually conduct an electrical impulse. Yeah, it's not that long ago. No. So it's fascinating how the body uses this type of technology, and the the biggest issue is probably the either the frequencies, knowing the frequencies, but also the technology to apply that. Every time we've tried to take a step in the right direction with, say, Apple or someone like that, um, anyone that catches on what it can really do yeah. will basically try and steal it. Yeah. So it's trying to find someone that has enough behind them that can actually make it come to fruition without actually shutting so it down. So you're actually involved in making in making the machines and that? Are you like Not personally, but we've... Yeah. We've spoken to different companies and things like that over the time. So okay. whether it's US, whether it's Chinese-based, whether, um, you know, eventually, you know, whether it's Germans or whether... It, Germans have a different matrix that I care about patents, so it's a bit easier to deal with them. Yeah. It's the technology is really the limiting factor, but it's what it can do sounds outrageous, so I don't talk about it much at all. Because <laughs> yeah, okay. people just go, yeah, bullshit. And then people come in and go, oh, my God, I can't believe that. Yeah. So results do the talking as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But we've done that many different things that were kind of technically impossible. Um, it's, I'm passionate about it because it changed so many things for me. And when I had spinal surgery, so I had a disc replaced in my back, I was in a lot of trouble before that. So the disc collapsed and I had a chunk of my disc sitting on the nerve root. Oh, and the nerve root started dying and it dies from the, the furthest distance and comes back. Yeah. So that was great fun. Um, so trying to save that and when I went to the specialist he got me to do these exercises to see how bad so he could see the MRI he could see the nerve conduction test results and he went so I know you shouldn't be able to do that so this is what he does for a living an orthopedic spinal specialist and he goes so you shouldn't be able to do that and he goes but I know you're using the microcurrent and he goes okay so I was kind of beyond the norm and I had surgery to replace the disc on a Wednesday afternoon I was up Friday morning, discharged Saturday morning. <clears throat> back at work two and a half weeks later and back digging trenches three and a half weeks later because our property got flooded. Yeah, fucking hell. So you were, you were using that on yourself? Yep. yep. And it was actually a friend of mine that was the assistant surgeon that gave me his unit when I was actually in the hospital to help with healing and wound stuff. Wow. So the nurses would come in and go, hang on, what's all this stuff? You know, that's <laughs> yeah. not, you're not supposed to. And I said, yeah, yeah, it's blah, 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 doctor's stuff. And they're like, well, okay, yeah, well, yeah, we're yeah. Back <laughs> and we just backed off. So, yeah, it's, I've taught it in a couple of pl- different places in the States. 
yeah. as well as um, run my own courses in Australia. But it really comes down to technology and making it user-friendly. Yeah. Well, getting that current to the right spot. So it, is it something that's practised or no? Like it is generally practised. There's not that many people that are... Okay. There are some people that are doing a generic version. Yeah. And I don't like the generic version because yeah. I've seen how we can kind of do a more unique version. Mm-hmm. But um, it is practised around the world, but it's it's spoken of in different terms so that people kind of hide the okay the concept. Yeah. It's fascinating. Like getting, so this client of mine that's doing the... Um, what is it called? Quantum biology. Yeah, yeah. He gets it. And he can explain it to me as in the, the physics side of it mm. and I just kind of like my head starts to spin. So it, he can do that so I can go, okay, so I know that there's that's the backing of it. Yep. Or I see how it works, which is fine, and I can make it work, but then having all that you know, physics and science background is yep. super cool. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's how you're going to get people behind it, I suppose, as well. Yeah. They want to see the paperwork. Yeah, you know, and, they want to and see there's it. so much out there, but it just yep. comes down to who wants to control it. Mm. That's the biggest issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what kind of sucks the most. But wow, work in progress. Sounds great. Stuff. I think I'm coming to see you tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, it'll be great. <laughs> Got to check my blood. I like that. You don't want to share with the listeners. What's well, yeah. Well, what Gary does. He spoke about it a little bit before he does live blood work, and it was the first time when I went to Gary to a doctor. Uh, I'd never. I've been to GPs in that uh, plenty of times, and no one had ever. They just give you a little script and you fuck off somewhere yeah. and you give it to someone and they give you some results back. But Gary actually takes your blood from your finger and puts it on a microscope and you can actually see it in front of you. You can see all your millions of little cells, you know. It's um, it's it's weird. It's funny because, you know, if you've never been to a naturopath or something, you hear all this stuff, oh, you know, witch, witchery or whatever about a lot of this but then you go to them you realise they act more like doctors than doctors do yeah you know like isn't that what fucking doctors are supposed to yeah, do like look at your blood and shit like that and say hey you know something's a bit funny here and how do they even how do doctors work without doing that it just seems such an obvious thing isn't it like when I saw you doing that and my cells were all kind of weird shaped and even I could tell that didn't look good they're all clumped together and they're all fluffy and my fuck is that? How am I alive with yeah. that type of shit going on? You but know? then, like the next visit, and you see such an improvement. Yeah, absolutely. And you can see it. Like you don't need a degree in hematology to actually read that. You can see that would look horrible. That looks heaps better. Yeah. And you kind of sit there going, okay, yeah, yeah. And then you can see your immune system change. You can see like surely doctors would get a lot out of that if they had that in their well, surgery, wouldn't you, they? You, you know? think patients would be more inclined to change too when you can actually you can see, see it then it and there. Feel it, and yeah. Depends on. See, I'm prescribing things that are generally trying to make people healthier, so I love to track that improvement in their health. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's yeah. and um, Metagenics that used to do the teaching of this actually um, did a presentation to the TGA. Yeah. And they went, "Yep, we can see the. It's a pathology grade tool. We really only think doctors should be doing this." Wow. Yeah. So I'm not allowed to advertise it. <clears throat> oh, okay. So that's why you don't see, like, there'll be nothing on my website, there'll be nothing on social media. Yeah. Um, I think that's I crazy. Show, so yeah. they just didn't want you now. doing it. <laughs> <laughs> just on Smack Panda. <laughs> it's one of those things that you kind of sit there and go, well, um, I'm not allowed to promote that I have a pathology grade thing. So as long as us, 
naturopaths that are weirdos, right? So we, yeah, yeah. you know, have the bone through our nose and, and yeah, that's right. sense and, and, that's you know, and throw address. the bones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, and we, we're, <laughs> Temp, we're, the, we're the witch dogs, witch doctors, and we yeah, you know, yeah. do blah, 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 seance. It, as long as they can keep us in that realm, yeah. that that's good for their business. But as soon as we start getting more professional and more so, science-based, they yeah. kind of start going, well... Because uh, it doesn't uh, seem any reason at all for them not to let you guys use yeah, it. Yeah, they're like, like almost conspiracy yeah. theorists. That, it, yeah, almost, like, isn't it? They put them in one of those labels. Well, there's a lot of money in it. Like you were saying before, there's billions and billions of dollars yeah. in this. And well, they got rid of naturopaths off the health funds. To drive people back to the GPs. Oh, okay. really? There was no other reason. They said, "Oh, there's no science around naturopathy." And I go, "Well, that's a that's a, a an umbrella heading." Yeah. If you want to talk about a specific process, then there's heaps of research. But yeah. we just call ourselves naturopaths because we do herbs and nutrition, and diet and massage. Yeah, and that's right. This yeah. And that and that. So it's a broad heading. Well, there's no science about your broad heading. Well, of course, there's not. Yeah. Because there's too many facets to that. Yeah. So they've like kind of gone, no, we're calling that, but there's no science behind that. And it's like, it's just a really, it's a, it's a weak play on words. In yeah. yeah, yeah. But then clients still come in, do you get any rebounds? Mm. No, no refunds. No, from health fund. Why am I paying it for? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, Not for me. No, it's ridiculous. We we we're forced to take health insurance because yeah. I'd rather actually pay into Medicare. I believe in Medicare yeah. more than health insurance. But the amount we'd actually pay more, and like so, we get a tax bill and X amount is for Medicare. But if we don't have a health insurance, we have to pay a shitload more for Medicare than we should. Okay. So it's it's really weird. They're basically the the health insurance is a. It's taxpayer funded because they f- they force you to to buy it. It's not needed yeah. in Australia. We have Medicare. We should all put more money into Medicare, and maybe we can do research into naturopathy and, and things like that. We can actually expand things mm. than just giving some overseas. But there's no money to be made in what we do because we yeah. we're helping yeah, people. Plan. In my yeah. opinion, I see people getting healthier taking less medication. Mm. Yeah, that is not, it's not promoting the well. cycle of no, yeah. consumerism. At all. Yeah. So no, that's it's not like people like it's, I don't believe that. The GPs are generally wanting people to be sicker. No, but no. they are stuck with a set of tools, and they're not allowed to actually sell nutritional stuff. No, they're not. And mm. it's kind of like so they, they have their hands tied. So these, these are your tools. This is what you have to use. And yeah. especially if they're a Medicare, if someone uh, comes in with these symptoms, they ha- there's a prescription on what they have to give them. Even if they think, oh, I shouldn't really give this person that, it doesn't matter. You know, what they, they can get pulled over the coals saying, why did you give them this and not that? You know. It's um, it's all there's no, it's almost like teaching that there's a a curriculum and that's it. You just got to teach this shit. You do it yeah. our way. Yeah, you yeah, do it our way. Yep. And take the skill out of it. Yeah. Right, well, Gary. I think on that note, that was great, man. Oh, thanks. That was, thanks for that coming. Was educational in a yeah. lot of ways. You educated there. No. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, yeah actually, did. that's all I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. I want to come in and because I've been talking about it for a year with my um. With my Cairo, actually, who he's into all different alternative stuff, and yeah, he's actually. If people do want to come see you, where are they going to find you? Okay, I'm just trying to think of. Um, so my ha- uh, Facebook got hacked, um, Instagram got hacked. Oh, Uber shit. Eats. It was the it was the pharmaceutical companies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> those bastards. <laughs> Deliveroo. <laughs> Well, okay, so my phone number is 42262550. That gets you to me. 
Um, I'm on Facebook. Um, we'll put some links in. We'll, we'll yeah, grab yeah. some off you. Yeah. Um, you sure you want crazy smack pandas calling you up? That'll be all right. Be nice. They're pretty cool. Yeah. There's only a hundred of them <laughs> regularly. There's more. <laughs> There's more now. Yeah, buddy. Episode 30. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks, <laughs> Gary. Thanks for coming Thank on. Thanks, Gary. Cheers, man. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, that was quick. It went quick. Yeah, it's it's a good, good hell of a two hours. Was it two hours? Yeah, two hours. Oh, man, that's just hell of a two hours. Covered a few subjects there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Chatting. That was great. Well, I just thought of heaps more, and I thought, nah, two hours is probably it. We can't do it. <laughs> 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 I want me to come back for the second one. You know, I mean, it just comes down to so like, let's pick up. Yeah, let's pick a subject and yeah. go from there. Yeah. So, um, you know, 30 years and that drop a thing, and, and what I've put my body through is, is yeah. one thing. Yeah. Um, what I've learned, you know, and then like marriage, kids, oh, that's yeah. another way of looking at it yeah. too. There's another sort of life kind of concept. We didn't even really talk about your life at all. No, either. No, so you know it's why? Why? I got a question for you. I don't know if you know. It's weird now because I'm like not 